Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back post-round one of the 2021 season. Great footy, a lot learned for Supercoach. We've got round one out of the way, so all the jitters are gone. We can really focus on the footy now. And because we did just have round one, I have got Billy back again. Mate, did you enjoy the footy for round one? How good is it having it back? Oh, mate, it was Thursday night. was very excited. Family was out on Saturday, so got to watch three games back-to-back. Although, uh... Jitters are still there, mate, scoring 1,300 and still being, you know, way down the pecking order. (laughs) That's making me me nervous. Yeah, look, I I had quite a good week. I was about 1,300 as well, but there was just all these massive scores, and it was like, wow, like, if I knew before round one started that I would score 1,300 points, if you told me that pre-season, I would have been elated. Uh, And now I kind of half feel bummed out because it's like, was around about 8K in rank. Uh, which is okay, like it's it's not a bad start, but it's not as good as what 1,300 points would have been, you know, two, three seasons past. You know, you got 1,300 points and you would have been right up there. Yeah, exactly. Um, one, of, one of the things to note too is how, how many people um, went really, really cheap at the centre three-quarter, but you know, had sort of some garbage scores there, still ended up with 1,300, but I think it was just it, just, it just seems to be the ones who leapfrogged that little 60, 70 points extra were the ones who just had that one right call, like a two or something like that. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, the actual game itself had a huge amount of hundreds from round one. There was 10 players that scored 100 plus. And I mean, the thing with it was a lot of them were really popular players, but even the ones that weren't, they were guys that were on the radar. You know, like a, Daniel Safidi went massive. He's not a huge option, but you know, he was still someone that was on the radar. There's just so many players, you know, a lot of teams could have had multiple guys that score 100 plus, and most did. And obviously Tedesco is the big one, right? Like, Tedesco has just thrown down 162 points, and I kind of felt like it wasn't unexpected. Like, you know, it's sort of like in years past, people would have marveled at it and gone, wow, that's crazy. Whereas now it was like, I'm glad Teddy went as well as what we were hoping he would, you know, like, crazy. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I didn't think his ownership would have been that high. I, I kind of figured there'd be a lot more people sort of spreading, spreading the coin, but you could, you could all, you could almost hear the screams when he went over for that first try, you know, 20,000 people around Australia going, no! Well, you had like, what, 30,000 people that picked him, or 30,000 people that captained him almost. Like, I think his captaincy was about 27%. So, yeah, that's kind of when, you know, I was really elated on Saturday, and I woke up Sunday and sort of did the maths in my head, and I can't help myself from doing it, going, actually, I don't think I've gone that well, because 27% people captain him, you know, it's, it's going to be, maybe I won't even break in the top 15,000, you know, because, like, you know, so many people just ended up with 162 times two, it's a bit of a crazy round in that regard for captaincy. Yeah, it's hard to gauge too. Like you did, a lot of the updates weren't done until late in the round, so it was really hard to gauge where you're at. The other thing too was that the second most captain player was around 27. Well, and that was Nathan Cleary, and Nathan Cleary like still put up. He updated to over 100, so he still put up a really good score. And someone like Wilfred, for example, like I know Wilfred, um, he's going to be getting Tedesco in, but didn't have Tedesco round one, and he still outscored me. 
um, he was still a really good score because he captained Cleary and still got that good score and made a couple of other good calls in his side. So it wasn't only people that you that you had a captaincy on Tedesco. It was you know the other 27% that had it on Cleary, and that was 50% of coaches ended up with a really good captaincy call. Yeah, it just goes to show what spreading the coin can do for you. Although um, I know he's plugging that gap very, very quickly this week just in case. <laughs> oh, he's getting Tedesco in this week. Yeah, it was part of his plan. But uh, it was definitely a high-scoring round for Supercoach. Uh, it was also... I thought it was a really good quality round for the footy, hey? Like, I I enjoyed most of the games. I, I know my wife said to me that you, I'm not going to let you watch every single game, but I still managed to pretty much do it. I missed about half of the Canberra game because I was out when I got back for the second half, and I kind of missed half of the Sharks game because I wasn't paying as much attention. But um, other than that, I got to watch them all, which was great. But I just thought that the games were were quite entertaining. Like, even the ones that were smash-ups, and I don't mean to bring up the Roosters for the Manly fans, but it was still entertaining. Like, there was some really, really slick football in there that was good to watch in Miramon. Even the game that had the... Um, I think it was the, the was the Knights game that had the the, the downpour coming down. So yep. that was um, that was a bit of a, uh, oh, no, what's going to happen here? And then you had people like Watson start on the bench and then injuries and coming on. Games really opened up. Um, particularly the uh, Eels in the second half. All you knew that was going to happen. Sorry, Wolf. Um, <laughs> well, it was a great round of footy. Um, I'm really excited for round two because I think the quality's been, been there for round one. So it's going to be interesting. What we're going to do today is, on this podcast episode, we're going to have a bit of a strategy chat initially just to go through trading and early round trading strategy. Uh, me and Billy are going to chat a little bit back and forth on, on our views on that and some different factors in trading for the early rounds of the season. We're going to go into market watch and look at the top 10 traded in and out, and then we're going to do a TLT, briefly looking at each game as a quick review. So before we do that and start the podcast off, I do need to mention Top Sport, great partner of the All-Stars podcast, fantastic betting agency, do gamble responsibly, but if you're going to, Top Sport is 100% Australian-owned. They had some great markets last week, uh, and I took advantage of a lot of them. I, I got a few of those ones right that I plugged on the podcast that I thought were great calls. One of them I didn't was South. Didn't expect them to lose that one, but I got a few other ones right. Uh, but they've got some fantastic odds again this week. So if you are going to gamble, do so on Top Sport. Make sure that you let them know that you came through the All-Stars podcast, uh, and if you create a new account, you can do that by just saying the promo code is SC All-Stars and that'll let them know that uh, they'll need to take care of you as one of our listeners. So, top sport, get on it. But let's go into the first segment of the podcast, Billy, and that is uh, trading and early round strategy. So there's been a few different questions in regards to this that have been floating around the different forums and also asked directly. So I've got like half a dozen different sort of sub points under trading and early round trading strategy that we're going to hit on. Um, the first one is... Quite a few people, especially, I guess, newer super coaches are looking at, should you be using your trades and, and then how to, do you use them? So, Billy, for me, I 100% think that you should be using your trades early, but I think that it's important that you're doing it in the right way and that comes to how you actually use them. So, I think you've got to take advantage of the fact that uh, you've got another free look this round as well. So, if there are, are there people that you're you know not sure about, you take the free look and you don't necessarily use a trade on them this week. But if you know that there's errors that you've made in your side or things that you have to fix, now's the time to do it because you don't want to get to uh, round three and have price rises throw everything out the window and for you to miss out 
on a few of the guys that you need to get in. So you definitely, I think now is when you trade crazy, like definitely use them all. And then you can kind of take a breath after price rises or, or a little bit after that if you don't get any injuries and kind of conserve them then. But I'm, I'm very big on trading now. Um, if you missed opportunities, you jump on them. How you use them, for me, Billy, it's definitely making sure that you're fixing mistakes that you've made. Um, I don't think that you do luxury trades at this point. I think that for me, you're you're making sure that your team's kind of set up for for the round three price rises, and and by that, that's how I sort of look at it. But what about yourself, as far as using trades early on and and how you use them? Yeah, mate. There's an old saying: um, um, technology fail fast, fix quick. So I mean, the faster you identify where your problems are, the faster you can fix it before before it actually becomes an issue. So. Same, same thing with footy. If you've got some anomalies in your team, get rid of them quick, get new guys in. Because although the whole objective is to make money, the reason for making money is to make points. So if you can off, if, if you can get some points right now, just burn the trades. That's what they're there for. They're not going to be any value to you later on if you, if you can't make the eight or you're, you're out of the hunt for the overall anyway. So, but burn a few of them early. In saying that, just a couple, couple of rules there. Don't, don't cut some people that, you know, you took on um, on uh, on gut feeling just after round one, and also don't cut someone that might be you know sort of like the Saab. Yeah, he, he's only worth what 230k, but um, <clears throat> unless an absolute chip, gun cheapy sort of come, comes along, don't cut someone like that just for the sake of you know uh, getting 20 grand. Just just let, let him rot there for a bit. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you're talking about that, there's a few traps to be aware of, and you sort of mentioned it a little bit on on giving up on guys too early and stuff. Um, a few little traps that I find that I sort of note down to be aware of when I'm looking at whether I trade someone or not in the early rounds. One of them is minutes, and I think that people can get carried away with round one minutes. Um, so, for example, there's always some anomalies that can happen any round, but particularly in round one, you might find that there's some anomalies that might right the ship in round two. So, for instance, like I own Leota. Now, he only played 33 minutes. To me, that was a huge letdown because... He played 33 minutes a game last year when he was coming off the bench. I, I find it odd that he would normally play 33 minutes a game this year when he's a starter and not a bench player. It might happen, but I'm not going to panic trade him just based on minutes off one round because you might actually find, and this often happens with some players, that round two and three and four, their minutes are very different than what they were round one. It can just be a round one anomaly, which can happen. And when you have a look, you know, just using Leota as an example for me, you know, when I look at that Panthers rotation, someone like Kikau only got 40-something minutes. That's not going to happen all year. Um, so there was a lot of their rotation that was kind of out, and maybe that's going to write itself this week. TKO was another example. You know, I think he played 43 minutes. That's not going to happen every week. So I'm not going to sell just because his minutes in one round were low. And then that comes into the whole idea of, you know, when are you selling guns too early and when are you selling cheapies too early? Um, and when you give up on a player, which is what you're alluding to, you know, and you bring up a sub. With those type of guys, uh, and I've been guilty of this, one of the biggest rules that I have written, Barnsley, every year you sell the cheapy centre wings early and they score a try and they make money. You know, that's always in my head. So guys like Saab that are that cheap, just leave them on your bench to rot. Like, it doesn't matter. They're going to make money at some point because they're so cheap. The only time where I think it makes sense is if you say to yourself, right, there's a cheapy X that I've missed out on and I know that he's a lot better and I've got cheapies everywhere so one of them has to go for this guy because this guy's going to make the most money out of all the cheapies I can own. That's when you go, alright, well, Sub's the odd man out. 
but I don't think that you just try and push Saab out just because he scored 11. Yeah, agree. Just something else on that one too. Um, just because someone you think peaks early, there's no, re- no no reason to get rid of them. It's still good to have an extra pe- extra person on your bench. Um, classic example. I started with um, what's his name uh, Lomax last year as as a cashing figuring. You know, he he would score better kicking moving into that position. But I think I sold him around sort of seven or eight because he kind of peaked around you know, four hundred k. But he was only just finding his groove, and as someone rightly pointed out to me in the <laughs> in the attics forum, God bless their souls, he, he was scoring 45, 50 with, with ease in base with no real attack and had a soft draw coming out. So in hindsight, it was silly getting rid of him because coming into, coming into the buy rounds, why would you get rid of someone that's scoring those sort of points, kicking goals, um, that has a soft draw coming up? And then look what happened. Like the black exploded. So anything can happen. It's... Just, just look, look, look at your matchups, look at your price points, and just, you know, just, just keep a couple up your sleeve because it's, it's a long season, and it's, it's just as worth your while to have someone there just in case. Yeah, for sure. And like when you're talking about guns as well, because obviously people can give up on cheapies early, but they can also give up on guns early too. I'm always pretty surprised because I've given advice on a few of the forums already just today on guys like Papali, right? Where it's like I'm worried about Papali's minutes. And I was sort of like, well, you shouldn't be more worried about Papali's minutes now after seeing round one than what you were before round one started and you purchased. It still should be the same because Papali was always going to get low minutes in the early rounds because that's what he always does. And you knew that the Raiders had a stacked forward pack. You shouldn't be getting rid of Papali because he did exactly what you knew he was going to do, play low minutes and, and have a bit of a lower output than what you paid for. There. So I don't know why you actually bought him round one unless maybe you didn't look at that stuff. And if you didn't look at that stuff, fair enough. You know, you went in blind and just grabbed him, Papali, then he's probably on the he's probably on the chopping block. But I think a yeah. lot of people kind of knew what they were going to get, but then were disappointed they got it. <laughs> uh, I think just in their defence on that one, I think he's... He put in a few minutes less than what they were probably expecting. Um, I, I think this week you can probably expect him to hope that he plays a few more minutes or at least just hold on to him knowing that they've got a really, really soft draw again this week and maybe he gets some TVs and goes over the line. So, look, if he plays 45 minutes again this week, I'd be cutting him. If you're absolutely desperate for someone like a Barnett or to upgrade elsewhere, then I, I wouldn't begrudge anyone for actually cutting him this week, particularly with, with their bench, with their bench that they've got, and like the fact that um, they've got a uh, what's your name, is it CHN coming back soon. Um, you've got um, um, what's his name, uh, X Titans. Yeah, uh, yeah, Hulsbro coming back. Ex- what's it, Ryan James putting in decent performance last week. So yeah. they've got a lot of lot of big boppers off the bench that are really going to start eating into Papali and probably not needing him. And that, that's the other thing too. So there's there's two factors there. There's number one, the fact that it's only game, game one and lots of forwards play you know sub ten minutes to what they normally do, just warming up. I mean, there are, some of those games what 30, 30, 40 degrees. So people are going to get a rest. And, and then you've also got to think about the fact that, you know, teams like the Chooks were, you know, um, were up by, what, 30 points at one point. There's absolutely no point in you know, Robbo or, or any, any coach for that reason sort of absolutely destroying, you know, what one of your prime time front row forwards uh, that early in the season. Like it's, they're going to get rotated in games like that. But I wouldn't be concerned about, you know, a goal-kicking front row forward only getting 43 minutes, which is likely to increase again the following week. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, uh, I mean, there's other guys like Cook, for example, that are there too. I can see the merit in people being disappointed with Cook, but Cook's got these scores in him, and he was playing Melbourne, 
and they got dusted up pretty good in the first where there wasn't much there. So again, like uh, giving up on these guys early, you can I think you can give up on guns early, but you need to be doing it for the right reasons. Um, I wouldn't do it off the strength of like one game. Like if you think that Cook is going to have a really down year, or um, I mean I think Papali to Bunnett's a good example because you might think. Okay, you've seen someone that you didn't think was any good before it wasn't on your radar in Barnett, and you're confident yeah. that he's going to be far and away one of the top three forwards, and that um, you know Papali isn't going to be. Um, yeah. You know, then, and look, I, then then you do it right. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, if I was going to get rid of anyone this week for that reason, it would be Papali. Um, he's not going to play, you know, 80 minutes all of a sudden, and he is in contention for for minutes on the Cook side of things. <laughs> Given that they're playing, what, Manly this week, I wouldn't be getting rid of him this week. I'd, I'd be hoping for 120 off him this week. If he doesn't perform this week, then I'd be getting rid of him. But I'd absolutely give a bloke like that one more chance. Yeah, I mean, like, just generally speaking, when we're talking about selling guns in the early rounds, I, yeah. think, I think that you stick with who you chose uh, unless their role has changed or you have no other way to get a really big upgrade that you're sure is going to go well. So the two boxes that I want ticked, um, if their role's changed, um, and that's going to be changed like going forward, like you need to be sure that, uh, you know, a Tom Alolo is going to get 50 minutes every week now for the next five or six weeks. Yeah. Um, or if, if you need to be sure that somebody who underperformed is likely to underperform for the next five or six weeks um, because their role has changed. You know, maybe they move to an edge instead of lock and their points are a lot worse, things like that. But if you're not sure, like if their role hasn't changed and you're not really immediately seeing a big upgrade that you need to do in your team, then you really should just be holding them, in my opinion, if they're a gun. Yep. One other point very, very quickly, then we'll move on. If you've got a player like Cook, all right, who didn't score that well last week, you sell him and move to someone else. Who are you moving to? You're basically moving to someone which is obvious now, like a Barnett or someone else that might be scoring well. But when you do that, you're moving you're moving to another player laterally that other people have already owned and have already got a leg up on you with those points. So all you're doing is keeping up with the Joneses, but but staying a hundred points behind them. The long the more you do that throughout the season, the the more pods you're actually gaining and getting out of your team. So. If, if you get rid of Cook, you're getting rid of uh, your your point of difference, which nobody else has, has scored well with. So you, you're better off taking one last chance with the guys like that and trying to get that leg up to claw your way back because you're not going to claw your way back by buying the guys that everyone else already owns. Yep. And round two is a free look, right? Like There's not going to be any price changes or anything. Exactly. So especially if it's someone that you took a punt on, like... Um, for example, me with Leota. Like, if I had to trade Leota, I would, because he's not a gun. Um, he, he might be someone that I could have made a mistake on, and I know that when I was picking him. So I'll happily trade him if I need to. I don't need to, and, and round two, I can just have a free look and see. Maybe his minutes go up to 45, and he's sweet, you know, and then I'm, I'm more happy. But I can make a much more informed decision seeing two rounds of football instead of just the first round of the season, which can be askew a little bit on what happens with players. So whenever you can, you want to give yourself two rounds to look at someone uh, when you can. But that goes into the other point, Billy, where you really need to have a plan in place and decide what your sort of goals are with your team. Because for me, like when I look at my little plan on on what I want, because you should have guys that you know that you need to get before the price changes happen. Um, for me, I have to make four trades because the things that I want to do, you know, I want to fix my centre wing and I want to strengthen my front row. I can't do that with two trades, so I know I'm going to have to make four. 
So I need to decide which two are the ones that are more urgent for this week and which two I want to have a look at for the following week. But if I made really good calls, Billy, um, you know, there might only be sort of a cheapie that I probably want to get in instead of another cheapie, which is a straight one trade, and maybe swap a Talmalolo straight to another gun. Um, if, those, if those are the only things wrong with my team, I would just wait this week, save the trades, and get the free look, and just make those moves next week. You know, because you're not going to lose anything by doing that. You're only going to gain. Yeah, exactly. If there's a couple of players that you want, or one in particular that you want this week, but you, des- you, you desperately can't get it, like... As an example, if you wanted to get Walker this week or, you know, you wanted to get two over this week because you wanted to bolster a particular position, looking at their draw, you think those guys have a really soft draw and they could potentially go absolutely ballistic. If you can't afford one of those guys this week, it's probably not in your best interest to go and get someone that, you know, might be 20, 30k uh, cheaper just because, oh, look, you can't afford those guys. So you're just going to go mid-range with you got to be really happy with with your purchase. And, and similarly, if you can't afford um, the, the second guy that you want, but you can afford the first guy, don't go and trade this, don't go and trade your, your, your second person down to someone that's 250, 300k. Find someone that's absolute bottom dollar where possible because when you go to trade next week, you're going to be in the same situation where you only have 50, 60k, uh, k spare. Make sure, make sure you're absolutely maximizing that cash that you're putting aside so that when the time comes next week or the week after, you're able to pick up the people that you really want because otherwise you're in a situation where you got three weeks back to back, you got one gun, like a shit nuffy that you don't want and some mid-ranger that you really don't want. Like Capon might turn out to be a gun, but you said before, what, um, Kiko only got, what, 43 minutes or 47 minutes or something? Yeah. What, what What's to say that all of a sudden, you know, uh, Capon just start, comes off and Martin goes on and Kiko stays on this time? Yeah. Now, well, why would you buy a 400k guy right now for, after, after one week when all of a sudden guess what, you're going to get the 35s or 40s that he's, he's he promised with 60 minutes. So just be careful what you wish for. Yep, 100% agree. And chasing last week's points is a big thing to remember as well. And it's an old super coach cliche, but I think it's really important for round one. And I'm going to use an example. So Reid Martin's a really good example. Um, he scored 134 points in round one. Huge score, went fantastic. If you're going to trade him in, it shouldn't be because he scored 134 points. You should be having a bit more of a look at it and considering why you're actually doing it, because a lot of people just do stuff like that just because they got a, got a big score in round one. And one of the things that Billy kind of segued to there is you're you're kind of behind the eight ball if you keep doing that, because if you really have a look at Reed Marnie, he only had 100 plus score last year. He's now got 100 plus score this year. At the moment, history says that you've missed out on his biggest score of the year. And I will say, I don't think that he will score 134 plus one more game this year. It could happen, but high probability that it doesn't happen. So you've already missed out on the biggest value of owning Reed Marnie already. So likely chances based on his numbers, you get him in this week, he plays Melbourne and he scores 42 points. And more than half of his games were 40s and 50s last year. That's that's what he was doing. Now, Reed Marnie is a young player. He might improve. And he might be a guy that takes takes a big step up if he does great. But at the moment, you'd want to make sure that that's the reason you're trading him in because you think that Reed Marnie is a, a great gun hooker, in which case you probably should have had him for round one anyway if you believe that. But if that's what you think, fine. <laughs> but it shouldn't be because he scored 134 points because in a lot of ways, 
if you keep making those type of trades, you're going to miss out on the biggest value that player had because you're getting them after they had their biggest game. Yeah, we basically said that last week, didn't we? You know, middle forwards and edges versus the Broncos score well. So what happened? Mahani went well. Um, Paulo killed it. Paulo killed it. The ex-Kiwi, Isaiah Papali, whatever his name, came on. Oh, he was fantastic, yeah. He killed it. That that was from a high work rate, but he still killed it. Madison just did what he did. Basically, he didn't even do it. Didn't even realise he was doing anything. Still scored sixty-seven, and you know the 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 uh, the, the Broncos guys start start attacking Eels on the edges too. You know, they had when we're up in the first half. Basically, he did what he was expected to do based on based on historical numbers. Exactly right. Uh, so don't chase last week's points. Make sure that you're asking yourself what the other reasons are that you're training somebody in aside from their round one score. I think that's really really important. With your plan, you should have goals. One other tip that I will say that I do, you know, look at the break-evens now. They're not going to be accurate, but you're going to have a decent idea of what players are going to have high negative break-evens probably by the time we get to round three uh, because you're going to have to bear in mind, guys, that if you're going to, if there's players that are going to have really high break-evens for the price changes round, you're going to want to be trading those guys in. They're your targets, uh, especially for the, you know, the first price changes. So make sure you leave room in your trades for that. A uh, bit of a different strategy on it, Billy, aside from all the logic on who you trade when you give up on guys and all that type of stuff. Other thing that I think that you need to be looking at in the early rounds is looking for opportunities. Now, if your team's good, like you've kind of nailed the cheapies, you've got your guns in place and you're not really going to kick any of them out and stuff, and your team's good, that's when I really look for opportunities. And by opportunities, I mean you've got an idea of the Supercoach super landscape now. You've got an idea of uh, you know where your score put you, how teams are kind of built and stuff, and you can sort of look at getting a leg up. Um, it might be a leg up through a player. You might see that you know Barnett is still relatively lowly owned, and that's an opportunity to kind of get on him now while he's still got goal kicking for a few weeks. The big opportunity for me that I identified, almost everybody's center wing is shithouse. Almost everyone. You know, like every team that you see, even guys that scored well, they've got a terrible centre wing. And I, I haven't seen any any guys that scored really well round one with more than one gun centre wing. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of guys that ended up with, you know, 1,400 plus scores that had like a Saab in there with an 11. Um, definitely a Simonson in there with a 40 and stuff with it when he had a try system, whatever. And I know a lot of people around the traps are pretty worried then you know, who am I going to play this week? Because all my center wings actually look really bad. Um, and some of them actually got some clutch attack and still scored bad, like Simonson. To me, that's a really good opportunity. Because if the rest of your team is kind of set, um, but you can outlay some money somewhere, you know, I'm looking at the moment, if, if I can shift some money down to my center wing from, say, front row forward, that might be a time when I do give up on the Yoda early and get a Brian Tuo in for, say, you know, a sub. Um, to me, that puts me ahead of the pack drastically because I'm going to get much better centre wing scores with, with that gun being thrown in centre wing. So early round opportunities, I guess, is what that comes down to and having a look at that as a strategy. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly what I'm doing. Um, I'm not disappointed about Crichton being out because everyone's got him. Um, I actually enjoy that, enjoy that because it means I get to play a, a stronger bench guy than what I think others have because I've spent you know, three months researching. Um, uh, think the thing that I'm really annoyed about this this week is the fact that I've got 
I've got Kelly, who scored you know, 47 off, uh, 47 with no tries, no no assists, apart from a line break assist, basically, doing pretty much nothing, and has really, really soft draw. I've got Broncos this week and really soft draw coming up. I was going to add Brian Tua to that, to have Tua and Kelly and, and have like two guns to the center three quarters with extremely high base. But now that Kelly's out, now I need to do something else. So exactly like you said, it's unfortunate, but my strategy now is to get Tua because, you know, what six, seven, eight tackle, eight tackle busts per game potential. Um, he's having a lot of hit ups. He's getting seeing a lot more ball out on the left. Uh, they tend to pass left as opposed to kick right. So he's he's got a lot more score, scoring propensity out there. So he's 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 one of those value options you look for. And um, just similarly, just going backwards, mentioned uh, opportunities. So he's an example of my sort of foresight slash luck. So. Pre-season, I really, really struggled with my sixth second row forward. I didn't want to get enough there because I already had a couple, but I also didn't want to get, you know, BMM and another bum like that. So what I ended up doing was I ended up going Kalamatangi, um, even though he was named on the bench. Reason is because you know that left that 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 left that left edge was was never going to stay there all season. Colin Matangi is a point-per-minute guy coming off the bench, so if he's coming off the bench, he was likely to get a job in the middle or rotate on the edge. And worst-case scenario, very, very small chance he might end up getting a starting, starting gig within two or three or four weeks, and all of a sudden I've got a starter in a gun team versus soft draw. So it turns out I got really lucky this week. Colin Matangi's named to start. Now I've got basically a really, really low-percentage pod, pod, pod guy Playing on the playing on the left edge, hopefully for 80 minutes uh, versus Manly. So that's an example of you know, a bit of luck, but also a bit of foresight coming off. Hopefully. Well, you've done well with that because that's a bit of a gamble, but it's a calculated one because Host was never going to stay there long term. So it's happened pretty early for you at least, which is good. Unicorn, <laughs> um, <laughs> mate. Unicorn points. <laughs> well, he'll score two next week. Cedarwing's definitely somewhere to target, I reckon, and especially if you can get some um, some pod ones in. You know, I think that's where if you're pretty set on the rest of your team, that's a really good strategy. You start to strengthen your center wing now. Along with this, one of the other questions that we'll sort of finish off on, one that comes up pretty often at this time of year, and that's how how far behind is too far. So obviously, there's a lot of people that probably didn't own Teddy uh, and didn't captain him because they don't have him, and didn't captain Cleary, and you know they're feeling really shit because they probably scored you know 1,100 points or 1,200 points or something and feel really behind because you know 1,200 points two years ago would have been good. But at this point, it's well, yeah, probably thirty-five thousand or something. So it's not a good start. Uh, and you've got people, you know, legitimately that probably put in a good effort and uh, are reasonably veteran super coaches, and it could be at eighty, ninety thousand. You know, it happens. But as far as I'm concerned, Billy, there is no point where you can be too far behind round one. You know, I've I've been really far behind round one. You know, I've hit a round one. I think it was about five years ago. Where I had three of my start of my starting seventeen all injured within the first half, and they were all guns, and I just got decimated. And I was like eighty thousand uh, because I barely had fourteen that played, and I still came back and I still went really well that season. You know, you, you can come back, um, and I don't care how far you are behind in round one. The gap between top thousand and top ten thousand at the moment is about fifty points, I think, or something like that. You know, it's 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 nothing. You know, so you can definitely make it up. I don't think there's any too far behind for round one. Yeah, don't don't kill your team for for one round, um, particularly if it's going to break you. Um, 
just talking to a mate um, the last couple of days. He's he's a bit sort of demoralised with sort of not sort of earning earning Teddy and trying to find a way to get him in this week. But he he also owns you know Crichton and a couple of other guys that are injured. So in order for him to get Teddy, what what he's thinking about doing is cutting sort of um, Papali down to someone else and then upgrading Brimson to Teddy. But that just means all of a sudden he's gone he's gone from having four half decent guys on the bench to now now having Teddy and someone else, but now has to play someone like Saab and Simonson in order to make up the bench. So there's absolutely no value in getting Teddy if it means you're gonna lose thirty, forty points in the guys that you're cutting to cutting. So just stick with the guys like Brimson who have a soft draw anyway. Um stick it out a week or two. I know it's gonna hurt not 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 only not owning Teddy, but it's gonna hurt even more cutting cutting everything you've built in the preseason just to get one player in who's not guaranteed to go big, although likely. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a scary one. I mean, look, I know, I've know i said this a few times, and I feel bad that I say it because it's, I know, especially on social media, it comes across like, you know, I'm being a smart ass or I know better. I don't and I'm not. But when I say it, you know, you kind of should have expected this. Like, if you came into round one without Teddy, it's perfectly fine. I'm going to assume that you did your due diligence and you signed against it and whatever. But if you did that, like, you shouldn't be in a position where you can't get him if if you want him now because you should have thought of that. You know, like, you should have had a plan in place. If you don't have him, put your foot down and say, it doesn't matter, I'm not going to have him for the first few weeks and I'm going to live with that and try and get him in later. Players in place to say, these guys I can cut. You know, Wilfred can manoeuvre himself. Yeah, and look, Wilfred's executed that brilliantly too. I mean, I know Gutherson wasn't exactly the greatest and didn't score that well for him, but I'll tell you what, it was a a stab based on mathematics, based on draw, um, based on spread. Um, he managed to score score pretty well um, without Teddy um, and completely offset it, but also had a plan to rectify it very very quickly. And it, it wasn't it wasn't a plan he put together, you know, just in case because you know I've just got to have Teddy. It was just more of a plan that here's, here's a strategy I'm going to take to try and get ahead if Teddy doesn't go well. But if Teddy does go well, I'm going to offset it anyway, and I'm going to have an emergency eject. So. Yep. Really, it, really good backup plan. And if you didn't make those plans, like you just sort of have to live with your decision that you maybe can't get Teddy because like it's going to reduce your side too much. So let's let's move on. We're going to go in the straight um, market watch, which is a good segue because we're going to have a look at the top ten traded out and traded in players. Now the number one on the list is Lodge, but he's injured, so that's just unfortunate. But the next few guys are actually guns. So number two is Tamalolo. Number three is Damien Cook. Now. I think these two are perfect examples of of holds to me. I was reasonable on Damian Cook before the season, Billy, um, and then obviously I went off for the cheap hooker strategy. I was really down on Jason Tomalolo, as you were. Uh, we spoke about his minutes going down. We spoke about it not being worth the price point if he's going to play less minutes. He scored exceptionally bad, you know, in the mid-30s, uh, which was worse than what I expected. But his minutes were where we knew they were going to be. So I, I sort of think, again, if you bought him knowing that his minutes were going to be down, you kind of got what you paid for and what you were expecting. Um, his points were just a bit lower than normal because it was an off week. But as far as getting rid of them, you know, I can definitely see Jason Tomalolo is a mistake and you kind of didn't realise it. Fine, you want to punt him. I wouldn't punt him this week and I wouldn't put da- punt Damien Cook this week because Tomalolo is playing the Dragons and Damien Cook's playing um, Manly. Now... As a non-Lolo and Cook owner, I wish that I owned them this week. 
those owners that are there with them, you guys already have two prime matchups this week. Just do different plans, do different trades this week if you've got to do your four trades, and trade those guys next week. Like, take your plum matchup this week. It might surprise you. You know, Damien Cook might go ballistic and change your mind on him. Tom Malolo might have his minutes increased, although I think it's unlikely, but you're still going to get better points than what he scored before. So I reckon that those are the perfect type of guys that you ride. Um, and I don't think they're panic trades, Billy. Like, I don't want to say people are panic trading them because I can easily see why people think they're mistakes and they want to rectify them, but I think that you're better off just holding them for round two and seeing what they give you. You know, worst case, you trade them next week. Best case... You've got really plumb matchups this week to at least take some points from and reconsider. Yeah, 100%. Lolo is a great example. Um, Started with him last year because he he just seemed to start well and seemed to be a little bit undervalued from finishing off lower minutes the previous year when they didn't didn't end up doing so well. So that that worked out. Um, Exactly the same thing this year. I mean, he might be getting small minutes, but as uh, a couple of people have pointed out, he, he's one of those players that can go really well no matter what the minutes. Maybe his point from his, his PPM increases with, with smaller minutes, but um, put it this way, he got he got an absolute public uh, spray from the coach uh, after the game, so don't be surprised if he comes out with a, with a point to prove there also. Yeah, I reckon that there'll be a, a really big tumble on the bounce back this week. Um, he'll... You'll have a good week this week. Um, and then whether you want to do him round three, that's that's a different story. But round two, prime matchup, prime time, all performance possibly coming. Uh, number four is Apisai Coruscant. Now, you know, he's coming in at 3.5% traded out. I understand that he played less minutes and stuff. That's fine. Um, Papali is number six. We've already spoken about him a lot. I think the people got what they should have expected getting, but if you didn't expect it, then yeah, sure, get rid of him because you can definitely do better in the early rounds. But then it's really interesting, mate. Number five, seven, eight, nine, ten are all um, mid-range guys. Saab's case of cheapy. So we've got Jason Saab at number five. Then we've got uh, Avarillo, Charlie Staines, Jacob Host, and Lachlan Lamb. Now, I'm going to throw Jacob Host out immediately. He, he has to be cut. He's a huge mistake that you started with Jacob Host. But the other guys... Um, it's a bit interesting uh, because they're all sort of around that 300k mark aside from Saab, and Saab's a cheapie. So I'm kind of interested in your view on it. Um, Lachlan Lamb I thought was disappointing for a, in a side that was going to win by that many points for him to score what he did, which was abysmal. You know, Lachlan Lamb came in and threw up 26 points when um, the Roosters threw up 20, uh, what 46 points. Yeah, it's. I understand cutting him straight away. Like that makes sense because yeah. it, just, it didn't look very good. So, so I agree on that one. He had a forced dropout as well, which was disappointing even more. I think that there's plenty of other good options that people have seen. So it makes sense to move on from a Lachlan Lamb. But I would say Charlie Staines is an interesting one. Now, I was. That's ridiculous. That one. They're playing the dogs. <laughs> well, I mean, look, part of me gets it because I was so down on Staines as an option. And, like, I was very vocal about that and said, you know, he's 300,000 and he's got terrible base and he's going to score really bad unless he goes on a try-scoring run, which is what he did in his two sample games. And it's only a small sample size. Like, you're paying a lot of money for a guy that should be a 200K purchase. Um, so I, I was down on him. But if you said, no, I'm going to start him, like, he's got a 17-18 base. That's what he does. So the, the terrible score that he got... It's disappointing, but don't you sort of just take that on the chin and say, well, you know, I knew this was going to happen. I expect him to score some points this week against the Dogs and he's going to get his tries. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I contemplated not starting this week. Um, I was thinking that I might go to Lamb just, just in case, because that way this bloke's got, you know, Tigers. But you know what? If I'm going to take someone with a base of 18, I'd much rather take the winger that just needs to fall over the line in a team that's only lost one game in the last 22, 23 matches playing the Bulldogs as opposed to um, the second string sort of half in a team that constantly goes to Kiri on a right or when they do go left, Teddy gets on the sweep anyway. So I'd much rather back back the guy that only needs one try to go over the line versus the guy that needs what two tries to store a try himself to, to keep up with the Joneses. And the fact that Every man his dog owns Staines Stain, anyway and is likely starting him. You basically just, it's just a free stab at just having a bloke in your team. Yeah, I mean, he could very well go across for a double and points and, and you know, end up with a decent score this week against the dogs. Yeah, just, that's, the, that's the fear. And like, I just don't get the mentality. Like, if you decided that you were starting with him, you're, you're in for these 18 point games as much as you're in for his two try games. You know, that's, that's owning Charlie Staines at 300,000. That's what you signed up for. So I don't think that your mindset should really change. If you if you think that he's a complete mistake or, you know, I'll understand it if you need to free up cash. And I think that's one thing that we probably didn't cover off enough with the strategy. You know, Charlie's saying this 300000 If you're looking at it saying, I can upgrade someone to Brian Tuo, but I need some money and I can bring stains down to, you know, a, a David Mead... Um, and, and get the 70 grand that I need. You know, I think those trades make sense um, to sort of write your team and get it to where you need to be. But that's probably the... I mean, Avarillo, I think, is another example where it's similar. 330k. Um, I think a lot of people are going to just be freeing up money with him. I think that makes a lot more sense. He came in and he scored uh, 18 points, which was the same as Staines, and he's at the 330k price point. He's probably going to lose money at this point considering the Dogs matchups against Penrith. Um, coming up, you know, oh, that one makes sense to me as well because of the price point. If, if you really, really desperately need 30, 40, 40k, um, I can see why people would be cutting Saab, but Staines, I wouldn't be upgrading him to 2 0. I'd just keep the bloke for this week, hoping that he does exactly the same thing. Doesn't yeah. have the same base, but it's a dog's. I mean, everyone's going to have different reasons, and like, I don't want it to sound like me and Billy are, are either, you know, 100% down on doing any player or 100% on for doing any player in a trade. Like, it's going to be different for every team. I think the message is that you just have to understand what your reasons are. Ask yourself why you're trading that guy out. With Staines, Avarillo, Saab and Lamb, out of those four cheap in the mid-range options, I'd, I'd do Lamb as the number one trade out on that list. Uh, I'd probably do Avarillo as, you know, your second trade out. Um, on that list, and then I think it's a real toss-up between Staines and Saab. Staines is going to give you a lot of money, but he's got a really good matchup this week. So you'd rather just sort of cash him out next week, I reckon, if you could, because you can take the play this week and then just get rid of him, because he is going to have those dating point games in him. Whereas Saab, Billy, I was chatting to a, a few people about this. You want to make sure that you're getting a real sure thing with trading Jason Saab. And I say that because, you know, even though he only scored 11 points, he's he's... One of the cheaper centre wings that you could have started with at 230-odd K. So he doesn't need much to start making money. Those are the type of guys that you need. If you're going to go to someone like a Simonson or something, you know, it's a real sideways trade. And I think it's a waste yeah. because a Simonson or a Saab is going to make the same amount of money. It's just one might make it a week or two earlier than the other. That's it. So yeah, exactly. you, you just don't bother doing that trade. You look at Simonson, like, he did absolutely nothing, as we said. And then... 
dash your 40 points. So we'll do the same thing this week or next week. He'll, he'll do nothing and then fall over the line. Um, the one thing he does have in his favour, if um, uh, Cherry Evans ever sort of figures this, this out, why doesn't he just kick the ball up in the air and just say, here you go, pluck it out of the air, put it down? I suppose you probably need to be in the opposition 20 for that to be attempted, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a couple of those pretty quickly. Well, and like round three, Saab's got a, um, a grudge match against the Dragons as well. And the, the Eagles have put some points on the Dragons. So, I mean, that might be the point where he actually puts up some, some big yeah, points. Keep him, keep, keep him for that one. I just don't, yeah, I mean, you just don't want to do those sideway trades just for the sake of it, just because he scored 11 points. I think with the cheaper guys, it's a lot easier just to hold them and just let them stink it up until they start making money. They're, they're not hurting you. Like, so what if they're stinking it up on your bench? Yep. They're not hurting you. They're not making you any money. They're not losing you any money. Just leave them there until they do. It's it's not like he's your, he's your fifth, seven, three quarter and your only emergency if someone gets injured. I mean, I'm sure you've got, you know, Newey and Stain. Look, I would like to think lots of people have Newey and maybe Staines and, um, Laurie in there. So lots of people have, you know, at least two or three half decent sort of center three corners, which everyone's using. And either now or within a week or two, lots of people are going to have, you know, a gun or a, a sort of decent sort of mid, mid pricer in there. So it, it's not like realistically you're going to be in a situation where you have to use him. Yeah, exactly right. As far as the traded in guys, David Mead is the number one trading player. Almost 10% of super coaches are bringing him in. I I thought that Mead looked really good. Um, I, he was a lot better than what I expected him to be. And um, he's playing the Gold Coast this week, which is a bit of a... Uh, they, they always treat like a grudge match when they, they play their old clubs. And he left the Gold Coast to go and play in England, and now he's back. So every chance that he goes great this week. I do think that... that it would be prudent to mention the couple of flags that are there. And I'm not saying this because I don't think that David Mead will do well. He's likely to go into the round three price changes with a with a nice negative break even. Uh, and he is only 230000 But it needs to be said, you know, he's, he's spent a few years in England and he's in his 30s. He wasn't particularly good before. Uh, and I can't remember seeing a game, you know, in the last five years, even when he was at the Titans, where he played as well as what he did on the weekend. That's the first thing. The second thing is he was always bought over on minimum coin as a backup in the top 30 squad to back up, you know, the top 17 guys if there was injuries and stuff. Richie Kenner was meant to be the first choice guy uh, on that wing and he was injured for round one. So, you know, he could very well come in next week and take Mead's spot. Now, Mead's played well enough where he probably holds him out, um, but whether he holds him out, you know, three, four or five weeks, it might not happen. Uh, And whether Mead can reproduce what he did on the weekend, you know, he hasn't really done that before a lot. Maybe he, you know, maybe he will. But well, it's just there is some. I don't think it's a home run that some people are expecting. So just keep that in mind. Um, but how do you sort of see the, the David Mead trade in Billy? I think the Eels kind of played him into form for a little bit, and he's probably going to go back to uh, <laughs> what his price point suggests. His his performance is at. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't particularly great in the Super League either. I, I, had, I had a look at the numbers. I, I, I went back to 2016, whatever it was, mate, and there were um, I filtered all these games, whatever they were, by wing. I think there were three in there, and it was 47, 43, 42, something like that in in super coach points. Um, so, and I think he had a try in there, a try and a try assist in there as well. So that so just to give you an indication that it wasn't all base points. 
and just needs a try on top of that. Um, it, there was one game where he had, I think it was 27 points in hit-ups, pretty much the same as what he did versus the Eels. So he, he did have like a 47 base or something in one game, but the other two had a try and, what, you know, 15 points in hit-ups or something rather to get his sort of 42 points. So he just be warned, he can have an anomaly where it looks like, you know, he's got a decent base and that and throughout a try and that gives him be 77 he quite likely goes back to potentially you know 20 points and hit ups uh, three missed tackles three tackles and all of a sudden you know, he's on sort of 25 to 45 again so um i wouldn't be banking on the uh, broncos attack if anything like you said it's probably a a watch on previous four but also b uh just be mindful he might only be there another week till kenna comes back probably best off waiting until next week yeah, I mean, if you wait till next week, you might miss out on some good points against the Titans, but you do get to see him named for round three for the price change round, and you do get to see him back up the round one performance, which, based on his prior performances, is a little bit of an anomaly or a blinder which a player can throw up every now and then. So I think it's the best case would be to wait a week. Uh, but look, it's, it's not the worst trade because, you know, it's 230000 so you can't really stuff that up. Yeah, the, the only other thing I'm going to add there is there is a small caveat as to why you would get someone like that this week, and that is you might need to take a punt on getting someone this week to free up cash, whether it's a purchase this week or to free up enough cash for a purchase this week and next week, knowing that next week is the week that, that people, that uh, uh, players rise and you might need cash this week as well as a player next week, you know, in order to afford the person that you want. So if you have a target that you can't afford this week that you really want next week, like, I don't know, a, a Walker or Tedesco or something or other, and you really need to free up cash, he, he would be the one of the very few exceptions where you just may want to take a punt on someone that's not enough just to give you the coin to give you the, the opportunity to platform up next week. Yep, yep. And that probably segues a little bit to Ryan James because he, he's in that boat too. Like, he's someone who can be a downgrade option to give you the money that you're going to need elsewhere. So he looked a lot better than what I thought. He's only 236k himself. And, uh, you know, almost 9% of coaches are trading him in this week to make him the second most traded in at the moment. He scored a try and a line break um, and scored 69 points. Now, that was obviously a great score. Um, He's a dual second row, front row forward, which I think makes him a handy purchase. I had a few differing opinions from a few Supercoach podcasts that I chat to, actually, um, in in one of our little groups. And... um, it was interesting because there were some people that thought, you know, that he, he wasn't a great buy because of the depth in the Raiders side and stuff and whatever. Um, and I, I actually think that he's a decent one if you've got the right expectations. So to me, you know, you get a Ryan James in now to make a downgrade to get um, your money elsewhere to be able to make some upgrades and fix your team up, knowing that you can switch him around between second row and front row forward. But you do need to know that Horsburgh is probably back next week. You need to know that CHN will be back in the next couple of weeks as well, depending on how long Ricky will want to keep him in the doghouse after his suspension is lifted. So you've got guys that are going to be coming back. Now, whether Ryan James makes way or whether it's Sutton, Louis, you're going to have a a couple of those guys that are going to have to miss out on the 17. My response on those discussions was, because James is 230,000, he's already got the 69 in his rolling average. Ricky gave him 41 minutes last game, which was a lot of minutes for a bench forward like him coming off multiple ACLs for a couple of years. That all gave me confidence enough that if he plays off the bench, he will score well enough. And if he doesn't play, uh, he will come back into the side at some point in the next couple of months and keep making that money. And I'm kind of happy just to leave him there for the cash that it frees up. So get him for the right reasons, I reckon, Billy. If you're getting him in thinking that he's going to score, you know, 50 or 60 every week and he's a gun, you know, you're going to be disappointed with that. 
yeah, he's the he's the sort of guy you're not going to want to play. He's just got the the dual capability and decent sort of price point. I'm probably in the 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 opposition camp that you were just referring to, and that I really don't want him because I, I don't want a guy that's sort of price you know. 60, 70k above absolute bottom dollar value, getting me 40 points a week. But given the limited options available and the fact that he, he, he's an ex, he's an ex weapon who could likely start at any given point in time. Like he, he might only be on the bench for three, four, five, six weeks, and all of a sudden gets promoted to the starting team. At which point you're laughing, but it's just one of those kind of 50, 50 type calls. I'm just in, I'm just in, 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 in the basket of. I think it's an extra 60, 70k that I just don't want to spend. But if you're struggling for options, he's probably one of the better ones out there. Yeah, and I mean, look, if you've got a a lodge, you know, that frees up 70,000 to put somewhere else to go to Ryan James. I mean, I've got Leota. If he doesn't pan out this week before the price changes, I free up 125,000 or something. Um, so that makes sense. And I'll actually be looking at doing the same trade. It's just about the expectations. I think his numbers were pretty good, though. Like 21 tackles, uh, 11 runs few tackle breaks, um, and generally, like the eye test, I thought that he looked good and healthy. And if Ricky was comfortable playing in minutes in the 40s, you know, even without the try and line break, he was still going to score 43-odd points. That's going to be enough for him to churn away making cash for a few weeks. Uh, it just might be that you've got to be prepared that he's going to be dropped and just leave him as an NPR for a couple of weeks till he gets a job back. Mate, Raiders have got that many forwards that can get rid of their hooker and back and outside backs and just have you know 17 props on the field. Yeah, well, look, I made the call that I wouldn't, um, you know, it was a bit of a funny call in in the discussion because I said, you know, I'm not interested in any Raiders forward that cost me money at all, none of them, because their forward pack is too stacked. They've got too many forwards coming back in. And then, you know, some somebody said, oh, yeah, I'm not I'm not even going Ryan James. And I was like, well, I said any that cost money. I'm actually interested in Ryan James because to me, 230000 is nothing. Um, you can afford to just do that for, you know, the freeing up cash and everything else it lets you do. Um, and just sort of hope for the upside. Because if the upside doesn't come through on a 230,000 guy, it doesn't really matter. But if it doesn't come through on a 500, 600,000 guy, then it really screws you over. Yeah. But let's go into number three and four, because these are two hookers back-to-back. We've got Jaden Braley, and we've got Reed Marnie at number four. Two very different players, because Jaden Braley is 356,000, and Reed Marnie is 478,000. And Jaden Braley's also up against New Zealand this week, and Reed Marnie's against Melbourne this week. I know who I would be getting out of the two, but they're pretty close, uh, and there's a lot in the Reed Marnie camp. So I'm interested in which one of these you reckon's a good trade in, Billy. I'm all over Braley um, at 356,000. I was a bit worried pre-season that he would go well. I talked about maybe going with him, and then said no, I'm going to go for the cheaper players. I wish I went with him. He ended up scoring 86 points. He looked fantastic. It looks great for Braley. On the flip side, Marnie, you know, had bulk attacking stats as well and scored that big 134, like we said. But he's yeah, 125,000 more than what Braley is. Um, and it smells like chasing last week's points with Reed Marnie. He's not cheap enough for it to work out for him if he, you know, does what he was doing last year. So I really like Braley as a trade-in. Like, if, if you're going a downgrade of... If you decide that you have to get off pool... You're going down to a Braley and doing a mass upgrade to a gun elsewhere. Awesome. If you're going down to a Reed Marnie, you know, at almost 500,000, I, I kind of don't get it. Yeah, um, 100% agree. I don't know why anyone would be getting Marnie at all. If I had a choice of playing a uh, hooker, it would be right right now. Uh, Cook, wouldn't, Cook wouldn't be at the top. 
Bradley would, would be right up there as well, knowing that he's knowing he's getting big minutes, soft draw. After watching him last week, I'd be more than I'd be more than happy to utilize him on on par with any other any other any other hooker at the moment. Um, the only reason I didn't get him is because I just preferred the, the the what I assumed to be a safer option with um, Little at bottom dollar and Watson at, at lock. Well, apparently starting lock, but well, that's another story. <laughs> so um, that, 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 that's it. My only thinking there. I, I, I'd much rather the guy that's cheaper in a soft draw playing 80 minutes as opposed to the guy with a tough draw and a proven history of not scoring big with a t- with a harder draw. Yeah, and look, Braley, I thought was really impressive. He had a 50 base, um, which was really good. Having said that, Marnie had a 61 base. So, you know, Marnie's base is... Not achievable, I don't think, at 61, um, whereas Braley's base was where you'd hope it would be at 50. They both end up with really good base round one, but one's 125k more and plays Melbourne this week, and that's Marnie. So I, I think it's a no-brainer just to go for Braley. Uh, and again, you've got to think about what you're getting out of this, really. Like, why are you trading in one of these hookers? If it's to make money, then Braley's going to make a lot more money than what Reed Marnie is. So get, get Braley in. If it's... Even if it's for points, at the moment Braley looks like that he can match Marnie in points for the for a hundred grand less. Yeah. So you'd still you'd still get Braley in. Like I don't understand the Marnie side, but you know, I don't want to concentrate on it too much because, you know, obviously a lot of people like Reed Marnie and I hope it works out for him. But um, you know, Jacob Little's coming in at number six behind these guys and he's two hundred and forty seven K. And that's another one where you just go, I get that. Like I get guys going I made a mistake at hooker. I'm not happy spending there. I'm going to downgrade right down, and I'm going to spend the money elsewhere. I'd rather downgrade down to 247,000 than to downgrade to a 478,000 guy and just, you know, get some money into other positions because it looks like the hooker isn't going to be great to start off with anyway. Yep, uh, the people buying him are probably the ones that either have or can't afford Bradley. I'm actually tempted to wait and see what happens next week and maybe even upgrade Little to to Braley, given given his form. Um, it's not often you do that to a three hundred k hooker, <laughs> but um, given given the fact that uh, uh, Moses is uh, so Mumbai is going to a bench and could even sort of spell um, spell him for a little bit. Um, he would he would have scored forty without the, without the try, and I think it was you that was saying last week that what his last what twenty games hasn't had a single what linebreak assist or yeah, try assist yeah. or anything like that. Then all of a sudden, your game one pulls it out of his ass. Thanks for that. I benched him by the way. I played Lodge instead. Anyway, different story. Um, yeah, but mate, I, I the way the Tigers bench is structured at the moment. I would give it one more week, but I'd have absolutely no no qualms with anyone even upgrading Little to Bradley next week. With the guys that are bringing Little as a sixth most traded-in player, the only thing that I would say to them as well is if you're bringing him in and having to play him, that's the wrong move. Uh, And that's probably the only caveat. Like, I get it as a downgrade. You can't play Little, though. Embi's on the bench. Little's not going to play 80 minutes, um, and he's playing the Roosters as well. You have to be bringing him in as your second hooker. So if you've got Watson as your first hooker or something, it's fine. Yeah, you, you definitely can't be bringing in Little to play him. Whereas someone like Braley, you can bring in Braley and happily play him this week. So that should be your sort of decision-making process on the two, I think. I'm, I'm going to breeze over the next couple, Billy, because I think it makes complete sense to trade in Ryan Pappenhausen as a number seven most traded-in guy. Um, eight, Mitchell Barnett. I'm just going to say with Barnett, two and a half percent of trading him in. And I'm loving the fact that it still only means he's in like five teams. So I just hope that... I don't understand why more people aren't jumping on, but 
Everyone trading him in at 2.5%. Good job to those 1,887 coaches. I will say with him, though, Billy, that if you are thinking about trading Mitch Barnett, I would go early on him. And the reason why I would go early and not take another look, he might only have the goal kicking for another, say, three weeks, potentially. If that's the case, you're going to lose value every week that you miss out on him with the goal kicking. If you're going to buy him anyway, and at 540k, he's an easy purchase to make. He, he looked really good without the goal kicking. Get the goal kicking value now. Get him for this round when he's kicking goals. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed that he actually got goal kicking because I thought his ownership would have gone up to like 15, 20%. So really surprised he's still at four. So kind of happy that he's goal kicking still now, but I wouldn't get rid of him even after he kicks goals, mate. His average was two, that was 67 um, on the edge and he just looks like he's absolutely on fire at the moment, looking dangerous and has a soft draw. So wouldn't surprise me if he just keeps going beyond that 70 easy. Yeah, 105 points on the weekend with his line break try and also with his goals, but we're going to get his goals in the next few weeks, right? So yep, it's, correct. it's going to be expected. He, he scored 42 in base, which was a bit lower than what you normally see yeah. from Mitch Barnett, but he's, he still had his offloads going. I was really happy with him. Like, I, I'm glad I purchased him. And, and yeah, I think, how, how hard was he playing? Oh, he's, he's a great player. To watch. He reminds me a little bit of a Nathan Brown. He's got a little bit of mongrel in him. He's got a little bit of skill. He's got a bit of aggression. I, I really like him as a player. Your forwards stick together, mate. Always have. Always will. <laughs> well, he had three offloads that game too. So, I mean, even if you take out the goal kicking um, and the line break try, you know, with his offloads, you know, he was still going to get to sort of, um, you know, high 50s anyway. Um, and he's normally going to be a 60s player. So he's still going to be good to buy later on, but you want to get the bulk points while you can while he's goal kicking. So I think he's a really good trade in this week. And I'm really happy that he's still only going to be um, pod ownership range. Um, but the next guy is his Newcastle Knights teammate at number nine. And I don't mean to repeat the same cliche, Billy, but Daniel Saifidi smells like chasing last week's points again. Um, <laughs> yeah, have a look at all these points from last year. He did start, he, I must admit, from memory, he did start well last year as well, which kind of threw me off. He scored a lot of tries last year. And then, but when the tries weren't there, he was in trouble. Um, and that's kind of what bulked up a lot of his points too. I mean, he scored a double on the weekend, right? So you just can't expect a front row forward to be doing that like it was great. But it's almost like the Reid Marnie, um, Marnie narrative, right, where I was saying earlier, if you missed out on his 134, you're not going to get those points again because he's highly, yeah. highly unlikely to score. If you missed out on Daniel Saifidi's double try, 128-point performance, you're very unlikely you're going to get that by buying him now because you've missed it. So I don't really understand Classic, it. Um... Yeah, classic example of uh, the antipod discussion. Look, if it, antipod is, you know, going against the grain and not earning in someone high-owned. But if some random forward like like him scores, what, 120-odd points in, in round one and is unlikely to do the same thing in round two, your best way of catching those people up front is to stay clear of him because he's only 3% owned, and those 3% are likely to come right back to the pack, with it, pack within two or three weeks very quickly. Yeah, I think the only other thing that people would have seen with him that might have made them interested is that he did play 60 minutes. He's coming off playing 48 or 45 minutes the last two years, so 60 minutes is a big uptick where he should be interesting at that point. One of the things that people wouldn't have realised maybe is that they, they had injuries in the side which pushed Watson from being what should have been a middle forward to going in and playing six most of the game. You know, and that took out their whole middle rotation. So that really put it out. His extra minutes can probably be attributed directly to that. 
So I would expect his minutes to be closer to 50 than 60 this week. And he's going to go down then. And, you know, in his 60 minutes, his raw base was 50, which is solid but not phenomenal. Um, he, he still had a few offloads, which is great to see. But you're talking going down to 50 minutes, you know, no tries. His points are probably... His points are probably going to be 55 to 60 range, which is okay, but it's not 560,000 worth. Um, so I do think that you're chasing a little bit. I think that there was better options, but if he does keep offloading and somehow does get more minutes, despite the fact that last week it was probably injury affected, then he might become interesting, but he's a classic, just wait another week and see if that actually happens. Number 10, Billy, is a little bit different. So that's Kirk Capewell. Second row center wing, Jewel. Obviously, everyone's buying him as a forward that can go into centre wing. It's really interesting because on the surface, it looks great. Kurt Capel had a fantastic first game of the season where he scored a try with a line break, looked close another time as well. Managed 68 points, which was great if you had him in your centre wing. And he also uh, played 67 minutes. Now, most of that seems okay, but... If you really look at the numbers, you know, he had a base of 36. Um, some of the base attack stats he got scoring that try, he had like three tackle breaks scoring it. So if you take all that away, you know, if he doesn't score a try, he scores like 40 points at best. And that's not very good. So I don't want to be, you know, I was negative on Capewell before the season started. He ended up doing a good round one score. I don't be, um, I guess, stubborn that people are looking at the 68 points and not really looking at how that's going to translate down the track. Minutes-wise, 68 minutes. If he's playing 80 minutes, it's going to be good. But if he's playing 68, it's not really. And we already mentioned the rotation. You know, there's no way that Martin's going to come on and play the minutes he did and kick out only play, what, 43 minutes. It's just as likely, like you suggested, that... Uh, Martin goes to Cape Ball's edge this time and kick out plays 60 minutes. You know, it's, you've got to see that minutes rotation again. And even at 67 minutes, you know, if he's not 80 minutes, I'm not interested in him. Yeah, look, it's not a salty thing. I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, it might be. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if, for people that, that bought him, yeah, great move. Like you've, you've got um, you've got 70 points to start the, to start the season, but the flip side of that is exactly what we said. Like he didn't play full game, poor. If it was a pure like Brian Tuo um, uh, base, where, where, where as a winger scoring forty, you'd go, yeah, okay, sweet, because a winger is more likely to score, you know, a try every sort of second game as opposed to a second rower who's getting, you know, sort of sixty-seven minutes, and there's no guarantee he's going to get that this week. He he, he might do the kicker forty-three this week, so that's where the risk comes in. So I wouldn't be buying him. I'd be trying. I'd be trying to go elsewhere. If you're one of those owners, I'd be riding it for as long as possible and praying he sort of gets a bit of meat in the next couple of games or just sticks with the 67 minutes. If he does that, ride out as much as you can and then sort of upgrade him as soon as you can before, you know, before before you lose the value that you've already gained in round one and hopefully round two or three. Yep, yep. I, I uh, congratulate these people that got 68 points, but... It is very much you need to, with forwards in particular, you need to really take the try off and see what you would have got without them and what you would have got without them you would have been really disappointed about. That's that's all of this week's most traded in, traded out players. I am going to throw another spanner in there. We're going to discuss one more. Angus Crichton is out for a week, Billy. Well, he was actually on the top 10 traded out and then he sort of dropped down. So he's a bit of a fringe one. Um, he's obviously 670,000 and he's out a week. Where do you stand on 
if you're if you've got like a really solid team and you haven't really made any mistakes and you don't really have to do anything on using Angus Crichton's money for a couple of weeks to um to do a couple of upgrades and looking at getting him back in a couple of weeks and doing the old double double trade cost on one of the guns that you had for a little bit. I did that last year. I got rid of um I think it was who was it? That's right, I got rid of Teddy for a week to bring in when he was it was Teddy or Turbo, but one or the other. I got rid of one of those guys um to bring in um uh, what do you call it, Holmes, for uh, a couple of weeks with the idea that I'd rotate back. Well, it worked the first week. I think he scored 93 or something rather. I was cheering. thought I was, um, you know, big man on campus. Um, and <clears throat> then he got injured and scored, what, 17 or something rather. And then all of a sudden I thought, oh, I'll just wait one more week for, for Teddy to drop a little bit. And then he scored, what, 190 versus the Dogs or something rather. And that's when I cringed and thought, <laughs> what, what's the point of it? Shoot me now, because there are a couple of injuries as well. So when I actually tried to buy back, I had to plug those as well. And thought I'll just do that first and wait for you know, wait for the big fella to drop a little bit with his you know 150 break even, and yeah, he broke it. So just <laughs> just be careful what you do. Well, one of the things with with Angus that's a bit different too is that you're not going to get you're going to get him before his price changes, so you know exactly how much he's going to be because he's going to be a week behind on the price changes, I guess. Yeah, true. That's a really good point. Um, so you could do it. You are burning two trades. So, I mean, you need to... I think it's always a risky scenario if you do that type of thing, but I have to admit that I've thought about doing it as well just because I can make a really good 17 this week. But you have to have been happy with most of your side being nailed to sort of what you want to stick with. Yeah, yeah look, if you're going to have to play two bums this week, um, it, there's probably no point keeping Angus because for, for each extra sort of five or ten points a game because... The, the the value that you get from selling him and splitting him into two different guys this week, if it means you know getting getting someone half decent around the 500k mark and upgrading someone to you know Walker, I mean you, you could quite conceivably get your next 150 200 points this week as opposed to you know 100 from from whoever your, your other guys would be. So there's certainly value in getting rid of rid of Crichton. Um, but you've got trades, you know, burn them, but just be prepared that you know you might not get him back as fast as fast as necessary. Or you yeah. might have to go a different route. Yeah, plan ahead. I mean, it's a strategy that, that can work or can backfire, depending on your team as well and how well you're set up. Uh, there was one last guy in the top 10 that I failed to mention that I really want to mention because he's Fergo. Um, I'm happy to say that I was incorrect on Fergo if he's going to do what he did in round one. Um, to me, he looked like a completely different player. He didn't. I was worried about Fergo last year um, because he looked really lame. He, he looked like he lost his speed. He looked like he couldn't go for the corner. He wasn't doing as much work either. So I was pretty concerned that, like, he even at 352,000, he wasn't going to be able to get back to what he needed to anyway. It took him 17 rounds to obviously score. This is only one round, so it might be different, but he's already got a try on the board, Billy. Also got two line breaks and one resulting in a try assist. So he had 92 points on the weekend. It's not that stuff that I like. Like, it's good that he scored the try. That was one thing. And how he scored it, like, he went for the corner, showed the strength and the ability to be able to get it down. But I was really impressed with how he looked running the ball. So he took 18 hit-ups, uh, had four tackle breaks with that as well, and he just physically looked a lot better and like he was going to do a lot more work. Uh, so I I actually think that he looked like a better player than what he did last year. So at 350,000, I actually think that he's right on the radar to, to have a look at, and especially with a round three matchup versus Sharks before he rises. Did he have actually 18 hit-ups or just 18 points in hit-ups? 
yeah, or 18 runs, I should say, sorry. Some of those, a couple of those were, were line breaks or when he got the ball and scored the try. Okay, I looked, I looked at the numbers and thought, oh, the, a lot more involved than what he, what he has been, but I still wasn't impressed too much with it. So the, 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 the fact that he scored a try and a line break, he's not going to do that every week. Look, if you got him, yeah, great, but I'm still not interested in him at all. Not yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm half prepared to say I could have been wrong on him just because of how he looked physically. And also, like, base was back there. Like, I really felt like his base was back. Yeah, so his, his base was 31 in raw base, um, which was solid. Um, and then he had his tackle breaks as well. So, again, he was edging towards that mid-40s range with his base-base attack. And that's kind of his his glory days on that mid-40s point that you wanted him to sort of be at. So it's I think it's only one game, but I was impressed with that. And if he can do that, he'll be a, he'll be a value purchase. If he can do that every week, then yeah, sure. Um, if they can keep getting it out there, because he's still got to score 10, 10, 10, 10 of those tries um, this year as well. So, um, look, he's got off to a good start. If you got him, good on you. I'm still buying him, but... Yeah, I'm going to consider buying him next week. He might have made a downgrade from Sebo. Like, if Sebo doesn't fire, um, I'm going to have to give up on him. And I might make 100 grand. Oh, you got Sebo. I didn't know that. Yeah, well... The way the way Sebo is playing, I'd be swapping. <laughs> well, I actually thought that Sebo did better than what he normally does, too. Like, he just he didn't get very much clean ball. And I think he was fairly well contained. But, like, his work rate was better than what it was at times last year. Like, there was times last year where he had, like, a real poor base of, like, 15 points and stuff. And he had a 25 base um, and also a few tackle breaks. So, you know, his, his base-base attack was edging towards that mid-30 point. Um, ended up on 33 points because he had minus two for an error. Um, but, you know, if he can do that 35-ish with his try-scoring ability, I think that's okay. Um, it's better than what it was. I'm not saying I want to keep him. I'm just saying, like, I saw signs of life that I didn't see the second half of last year's Sifo. Yeah, when he came on on the scene, he was very redrata like he started doing doing hit ups and uh, tackle busting. It was all over the place, and then he was started being compared to the semi train. You hardly even notice him out there now. Yeah, I thought he was running the ball a lot harder, and he was running the ball a lot better than what he was last season. So, uh, fingers crossed that that's him. But you know, I'm well prepared to say after if he has a bad score, that I'll just hit the eject button, and that's fine. I would have. It was between him and Toho, and I just couldn't afford the cash to get up to Toho. That was all, and I needed one strike guy that was going to score a lot of tries, hopefully. So, anyway, let's go on to the teams, mate. All right. So the first game of the round is the Eels West Storm. So, Billy, you guys get a, an early game again, which is good for you. But as far as the Eels go, the only change was uh, Nakora's come back onto the bench and Hipgrave's out. Uh, for the Storm side of things, we got uh, Smoothie retaining his bench spot after coming in late from 18th man, and everything else looks exactly the same. So pretty limited changes in this one. Now, it's a bit of a hard one because the Eels started really badly last week, and their second half was a lot yeah, better. But... Equally, the Storm were ruthless in the first 20 and sort of fell off a little bit in the second half. Yeah, it's at Bank West too, so hopefully that sort of gets a bit of, bit of home ground advantage and the guys come come storming out of the gates. Um, they're going to have to versus the Storm, so hopefully they'll give each other a bit of a pep talk before the game and come out fired up. As a non-owner, I'm just kind of hoping they contain Munster, Munster, Munster a bit, which I think they should be able to do. I don't think he'll put on like a massive ton versus them, but if he can keep Munster sort of contained a little bit, it'd be good. I'd like to see the boys run, use their strength though, and just just defend well and just run hard through the middle. I mean, you look at you look at what they did in the second half, where um, 
pull on Brownie and Papali just went middle, 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 middle. They just kept grinding out the middle. I'd like to see them take the storm on and just just try to do that. Yeah, Paulo's my one eel on my watch list this week. In this game, I'm going to be watching him with the most interest. He he played 60 minutes last week, um, had five offloads, a line break try. But like I said to a lot of people, he didn't need the line break try to be impressive for me. He was still going to score 70 points with those offloads and the tackle breaks that he had. He he's my watch for that eel side. Um, he's yeah. going to be huge value if he plays 60 minutes. With, with Paulo. But... Mate, the guy's a beast. He has been for years. Um, the only thing is, you just never know what minutes he's going to play. I think, um, given the rule changes and the fact that you know Arthur obviously wants a premiership and he's one of the, he's one of the key guys in the team. I think he, he came out preseason and said we can get more out of him. So hopefully that extra five minutes just converts to that that keeper status type type front row forward. Yeah, if he gets those extra minutes, I'm, I'm keen as I'm going to be watching this week. Equally for the Storm, I know a lot of people have been getting rid of Brandon Smith and also even getting rid of Christian Welsh. Um, Welsh still had a solid 52 points. His second stint was really good um, in the second half. And it was really small minutes too. Yeah, so I mean, I, I was reasonably happy getting 52 points from Welsh. But remember Billy's stat, you know, it's middle forwards that give the Eels problems. So Welsh is going to be there and, and Brandon Smith plays like a middle forward as well. So those guys could go well this week. Middle fours do go well versus the Eels, but it's generally guys that sort of attack hard. Welsh is more of a plotter, but he, he nearly did go over last week, so maybe there's some luck this week. <laughs> well, as far as captaincy and uh, vice-captain options, I I don't actually want to go near this one myself. Are you going to throw anything on it? Oh, I wouldn't go anywhere near it, but if I, I absolutely had to pick someone, you'd surely have to go Pappy, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, in the form that he's on, I, I think so. As far as the top sport bet of the week here, I actually really like the alternate lines on this one. I think the Eels at Bank West could end up with a plus 10.5 points. You're going to get about $1.75 on top sport because they're paying $2.80 for the for the win. Uh, you know, around a 70 75 really good value, I reckon, to give them a 10.5 start at home. Uh, I really, I, I quite like that one. But Sebo looked like he had a lot less opportunities last week um, on that different side. But he did, he rarely goes two games in a row without scoring, and he's at two dollars fifty three on top sport as well. So I think value wise, because he didn't score last week, you know, two dollars fifty three is pretty good value to look at him scoring any time this week. Yeah, yeah, like he's going to go over sooner or later. I, I generally like the b- b- bigger value, but I'll tell you what, for a home game with Sivo, it's probably the best we get for him, isn't it? Yeah, I don't mind that one as a bit of a, a bit of a stab. Um, high rods one. Warriors Knights is the next one. Um, you and Aiken's out for a few weeks, so anyone that started with him is is absolutely spewing. Um, for the Knights side of things, Kurt Mann was actually meant to meant to miss time, and now that we've just gotten the newest updates, he's actually back and named. So that's really really interesting. Um, with Mann and Bradman Best both expected to play. So I mean, I guess that poses the question here with Connor Watson Billy. He's switched back to lock now. We sort of thought. Well, he's going to be safe now because he's going to start at six, but now he's back at 13. Are we scared that he's going to get dropped back to the bench for this game? Yeah, sure. Um, I kind of, would have prefer- kind of would have preferred him at six. Actually, I prefer him at lock, but I, I, I'd prefer him guaranteed 80 minutes as opposed to not knowing when he's going to come off the bench. Yeah, I, I still played him last week. Did you end up playing him last week? And are you going to do the same this week if he gets dropped to the bench? Dude, this this is Billy talking to. Oh, I'm sorry, played, the number one fan played, club for the Watson fan club. Sorry, sorry. Could have played ten minutes and I still would have played him. Of course. Well, pretty interested in this one as far as 
the Knights and the Warriors both looked a lot better round one than what I thought they would have. Uh, I think, obviously, you're going to play anyone that you own in this one. I, I reckon that there might be a few points in it, actually. Yeah, mate, I was really, really disappointed that it was pissing down last week because I had um, a Tex Hoy in there. I, I, came, I came home came home late, turned the TV on, and then saw the rain. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> The only reason I bought this bloke is because he had a real soft draw for the first three weeks while, while Ponga was out. All of a sudden, mate, he'd, he'd struggle to put the C on Teddy in the wet, let alone sort of Tex Hoy with an absolute belting down like that. So luckily he got away with sort of 45 or whatever it was, but I'll take it. But hopefully there's hopefully there's an attacking stat in there this week. Yeah, and I'm also going to be watching this one because I've got a keen eye on Bailey Siren, and So he played really well last week, 348,000. He... I only played the 50 minutes, though, so that's the big thing. But he scored 74 points because he got the line break try. Had 41 in base, uh, which for an edge back row wasn't bad for his 50 minutes. Um, I'm going to see if he's going to get more minutes this week. As far as the top sport bets, Billy, uh, I'm liking the try scorers in this one. Guys like uh, Ken Mamolo, who's a noted try scorer, $2.31. And against that back line that the Knights have, I think that he could go over. But Bradman Best scored a, a great try last week. Looked really strong coming in. $2.77 on top sports. So I'm going to be looking at both of those ones for this one. Yeah, there's a few guys here at Decent Odds you'd have a crack at. I mean, Barnett, you can have a go at Sofidi again. I'd be inclined to go Hoy, mate. Ooh, Hoy. He's, he's paying big on top sport. Let's have a look at the Titans-Broncos one quickly. Now, on this one, this, this could be anything. I thought the Titans were really disappointing last week. Uh, against the Warriors, I expected them to put on some points, and they only managed to one try. I think it was as much about the Warriors being good as what it was the um, the Gold Coast being poor. Um, we also only had 70 minutes from Fafita, who still managed his three offloads. Um, and, and Big Tino played 64 minutes, which, which was probably a bit more than what we expected, but was only sort of low 60s in his points, um, which was solid, but not heaps more than what he was. So uh, I think against this Broncos side, uh, those couple guys, along with um, AJ Brimson, could really fire this week. Yeah, mate, I'm I'm really really keen on on um, on Tino. I'm glad that we got him given given those minutes. He didn't really put the um the score in that we wanted, but scored more than what you paid for. And if the um, minutes or anything to go by, you'd be really happy with that. Um, I'd, I'd be concerned as a feeder owner. Pretty pretty much put the same base out that we thought he would. Um, need, really needs the attack, so they're going to have to step up there. Brim Brim Brimson, I think is. Is the one that you want to sort of be on this week. If he's going to explode, it's going to be this week. If he doesn't do it this week, yeah, you've got to cut your losses, I think. In this one, I actually think that Brimson's a VC option. Um, out of this game, he's probably the only one I'm looking at. But if I had Brimson, I think that him as a VC, or even a hand grenade for feeder in a revenge match against the Broncos, could be a yeah, VC I'd, too. Uh, I'd go Brimson because more, more, of a, more of a propensity to go a, a lot higher, mate. Um, you're, um, if a feeder type bloke will maybe go over for one if he's lucky. So, and for what, a 75. So I think Brimson's got, got a, a lot higher, a lot higher ceiling in him. The only thing to add on last week is, um, and we talked about this briefly, is that, the, you know, Gold Coast is a, is a second home for a lot of Warriors fans. So they, 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 they might have been, it might have been a little bit easier for them to sort of step up, you know, first game of the season in front of a lot of sort of, a lot of sort of New Zealanders, mate. So I think it might be a little bit sort of uh, different, different this week with local derby with the Titans and the Broncos. Yeah, that's true. Um, Tavita Pangai on the Broncos side, I'm going to be watching as well. He uh, was a, a bit of a mixed bag. Like, I know some people are heaps keen, but he only played 38 minutes, and that was with the lodge injury. 
So it was really strange to me. But at the same time, he managed seven offloads and 16 runs in those minutes, which was just insane. Yeah, but um, how gassed did he look? Did you did you see? Did you look at the TV at one point and just see him absolutely gasping for air? Yeah, I did. And I, I mean, I have to think that that's why he played low minutes because I mean, you'd think with a lodge injury that someone like TPJ would have gotten an extra 10, 15 minutes even. But he only played thirty eight, so it's it's a bit puzzling. Yeah, because I um I was at footy training with the kids, and then I was trying not to look at the scores, but trying to find out you know, the other. The, the final lineups for the second game, so I wouldn't miss anything. And then I saw, I looked on Facebook and saw your post. You know, TPJ four offloads first eight minutes, and I thought, oh, bloody hell! <laughs> <laughs> and then, then he came off and just didn't come back. And then when he did, he was on for five minutes, and he was just, mate, he was sucking them big. Well, because he scored seventy nine points in his thirty nine minutes, like his PPM was two point zero three, which is ridiculous. Like, there's no way he can keep that up. So, that's why I don't like him as a buy because you have to see more minutes out of him, otherwise it's going to be low scores. But at the same time, seven offloads was huge, and I expect him to carve up that... Um, I, I think that he'll really rip into the Gold Coast Titans pack, so he's going to be a real interesting watch this week to see what he's going to do. Yeah, I really prefer him on the edge, but if, um, there's just so many options there. I, I, if, if, look, if he started the season on the edge and was available front row forward, I probably would have got him, but... The, the way he's at the moment, um, no, not not without gassing. Yeah, and I mean, the lodge injury hasn't really opened up much because, I mean, Flegler's come in, but Payne Haas is going to be back shortly, so I don't think you can look yeah, at him. Yeah, exactly. Um, as far as who you start, though, like, I, I'm i pretty keen on starting, guys. Like, if I, I'm going to be starting new, um, if I had David Mead, I'd definitely start him. And certainly if I had, like, a Milford or, or so forth, I'd start him. But I've seen a lot of people really disappointed with Ricky and even some people selling him because he's at 277 price it's points. insane yeah it is because you know it was a tough game he didn't get a lot of ball he still had 36 in raw bases and edge um, still had 40 points now yeah. he's playing the Gold Coast Titans with a brand new edge out there he's likely to see a bit more ball um, they had a terrible second half like I made the point that you know, the second half, the Eels regained the possession that they should have had because they stopped making the mistakes and exactly. started scoring tries, so they get the ball kicked back to them, and the Broncos just didn't have much in the second half. So you expect a bit of a different ball game against the Titans this week, and you'd certainly... I'm actually going to play Jordan Ricky, um, and I expect a better score from him. Oh, yeah, exactly. And if you, if you go back, what, three weeks to the trials, everyone was saying how much of a work rate the kid had, you'd 100% have to have him and play him. All of a sudden has one poor game where he, well, he only scored 40 points against a team that dominated them and dominated them in the second half. And he's at price to, what, 277? Mate, I'll happily play him again this week. Especially if he's next, next, next to Tessie, who also seemed, uh, very, to have a high work rate. He just had a couple of errors and a couple of brain explosions last week, but, didn't have any real attack, but still scored, what, 36 points or so. So um, if, if that's the worst you're going to get from a centre three-quarter price, that, you know, where, where he is, you know, sub-250 mark, I mean, you got you can't be too dis- disappointed with it. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, I, I think New actually looked good. Like, he was one of the guys that didn't score well that I was really comfortable that I had, and I was more comfortable playing after that because I thought he passed the eye test. He did some really good moves. I, he only got credited with two tackle breaks. I reckon that he had more tackle breaks than that. He came looking for the ball. He, yeah, he came looking for the ball too. His forty points were actually quite pleasing. Um, I was happy with that, considering he had zero attack. So, should be good this week. As far as the result goes, what do you reckon in this one? I, I've got absolutely no idea with how these teams played last week. Um, I reckon Broncos be leading a half time again, only to get. <laughs> I don't know. 
they do they do like the show second half, but it is the Titans. Well, mate, I, I think the answer is a pineapple. I've got absolutely no idea on this one, to be honest. And that's why the top sport bet of the week on this one is probably not to bet on it. To Broncos are $2.75 outsiders. If you think it's an even money bet, it might be good to go on them for two seventy five, or maybe with the start. How about a draw? Surely there's a 20 to 1 in there somewhere. Oh, you'll get massive for the draw. <laughs> Bulldogs Pampers is the next one. And now we're starting to get in the real territory, mate, for the captain season stuff. Interesting changes too. So Jerry Marshall King returns to the bench. Also, the bigger news for the Bulldogs is Fatala Mariner has been promoted to the starting side. So, I mean, we said last week, Corey would yeah. at his price point, even though he's a favourite. You know, it's a big risk. You want to wait and see what happens because Fatala Mariner is lurking. Um, and, you know, Fatala Mariner is now starting. We've got everyone else back, though, the same team as last week. For the Panthers side of things, there's no changes uh, obviously, a lot of watches on that side, but uh, probably a, a couple of guys that I want to watch on the Bulldogs side. I mean, I will say that Cole Flanagan did well with a couple of early try assists, but, but other than that, wasn't um, sort of faded off a little bit. Um, Nick Kotrick did like Nick Kotrick things. Um, he had bulk tackle breaks, um, made a few mistakes. Uh, 54 points, um, you know, it wasn't too bad. Um, when you consider he had, you know, 28 points in tackle breaks. Uh, I actually think it's quite a good floor for him. I'm interested to see sort of what he does the next couple of weeks until he gets to a better draw. But Josh Jackson, I think, was the other one that was maybe a little bit disappointing for people because he did end up getting the minutes that you thought that he would, playing 74 minutes for the game. But in his 74 minutes, he only ended up with 57 points, uh, which, like we kind of said, you know, would be a bit meat and potatoes underwhelming, and, and that's ended up what happened. Yeah, we did say that. Not really expecting anything more than you know a few tackles. Probably look, he'll probably give you like a little bit of a leg up based on what he's what he's priced at last year, but not enough to warrant getting him. I think he basically did what we all expected: sit in the middle and plod. Yeah, a lot of minutes for um, 57 points. Be interesting how that four pack rotation is going to work this week and have a bit more of a look at it. Uh, on the Panthers side of things, um, I have to give a shout out to my boy Dylan Edwards. I tell you what, he looked everything that I thought that he would have been more. Um, got his his try, so he ended up on 96 points, but ended up with a really nice um, base. base God, attack. how soft was it too? Oh yeah, it was. But like he still would have scored, you know, mid 40s to 50 with um, just his base base attack because his tackle breaks are just phenomenal with his running. Yeah, true, true. For captaincy and vice captaincy. I'm a little bit torn because immediately I went to this and thought, well, vice-captain on uh, on Nathan Cleary. And then I sort of was looking at all the reports and stuff and Trent Barrett's got the Bulldogs fired up and they were talking about wanting to win for Barrett. It's a bit of a grudge match and obviously there's a tug-of-war over Burton and stuff. And I thought, oh, you know, the, the Panthers didn't blow the Cowboys out of the water as much as I thought last week. Like they were 8-0 at the first half and they had plenty of ball to be able to put a lot more on them and the Cowboys weren't very good. So maybe this is going to be a bit more of a grind fest than what you sort of initially think. No, maybe, but if you, if if you still put it in perspective, even though there, there weren't many sort of points scored early, Bulldog, the the Cowboys basically didn't have the ball out of their own sort of twenty five for a lot of the game. So I can't see the dogs turning the table. Yeah, I um I can't either. Um, I would VC Cleary. Um, on this one, I think that he's the best option. And um, those four. Oh, hell yeah. There's no minutes, one else there. Yeah, uh, there's no one else there. And these forward rotation minutes are going to be really um, interesting to watch. Brian 2 for a try. Like, how good was he last week? Should have really had a double. Got very, very close. <laughs> did, um, you, did you, sorry. <laughs> did you see? So, so Crichton, 
Crichton's first uh, dummy when he was completely open. Here you go, buddy. Oh, no, I'm going to go myself in front, <laughs> right, in, right into the three fours right in front of me instead of giving you open, open space. All right. Next next time, two O's in open space, uh, Crichton goes himself self and then, then decides, you know what, I'm actually going to pass, pass it this time. Mate, his body dead set went into cardiac arrest. It was so it was so much in shock that it, about the thought of actually passing. He's thrown to the fourth the fourth level of the bleachers, mate. Yeah, I did see that, and I did actually think of you at the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian Toe, though, he's a like he's my number one centre wing wish list. Five hundred twenty thousand at the moment. Um, it's coming off eighty four points that just ended up having the one try. But the big thing that like we spoke about. His base base attack. He had he had ten tackle breaks in that game. Yeah, yeah. The guy's a gun. Um, he was one of those guys that was in that bracket where he was always going to do well this year. But it was one of those uh, for me. Is Crichton going to pass it to him? I just didn't want to take that chance, so it was no. Um, but I think I think um, I think we talked about this a little bit in the preseason. Luai seems to be a lot more confident and playing a lot better. Like if you look at his the first half of last year, he was pretty he was pretty uncomfortable. wasn't 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 playing as well as he as he was the back half of the season. I think I think they're playing that left side a lot a lot better now, and I think he has a lot more a lot more potential to have like a line break there as opposed to the right hand side because Cleary tends to kick right as opposed to to Luai who tends to pass left. Yeah, well, I, I think that he's probably the best pod training option this week. That no one's doing. Oh, that's what I'm doing. Well, two O's in. Billy's doing it. He's the only one. Hardly seen anyone mention getting two O this week, and he's playing the dogs. Uh, top sport bet dollar eighty seven at the moment for him to score a try anytime. I love it. Um, and he got ten tackle breaks last week. He's probably going to get that again. He's he's in for a big score. I, I think it's Mate, a, a great. I'll go week. double. I'll go, go the double. double. Wow. I'll go double. Both both wingers, but no, both wingers, one each. Oh, one each stains and two O. Okay. Yep. Yep. Well, Tuo is is a great buy for this week. Um, Cleary's an obvious vice captaincy option, but the next game after this one is the Seagulls versus Rabbits. Um, this one quite interesting with the changes actually. So Andrew Davies actually going to start with Gazowski on the bench, and Davy was the guy that was sort of half popular if he got the starting gig and didn't for round one. Kate Cuss comes onto the bench, so you'd assume that he's going to spend some minutes at nine. Um, and Sean Kepi replaces Boyle, so it's similar type of players, really. They're still going to play with some big forwards on that bench. And on Rabideau's side of things, um, Josh Mansour has gotten outright dropped, um, and Jacob Host has dropped out of the 17 as well. I completely understand Host coming out, mate, and Colin is obviously starting, but have a go at Mansour. You know, he, he didn't look great, but I sort of thought that he looked like, you know, what Mansour does look like the last couple of years. To, to be fair... I... Number one, I don't think he got much of a chance for kick returns. Like the ball hardly went his way. You got to remember, um, it's the rabbits, mate. It's basically the Walker show, and he only goes left. Mansell's not going to get any ball at all. Oh, Nothing. I'm, at I'm all. not surprised about it. I'm just, I'm just surprised that, that Wayne Bennett cut him. The new. Big oh yeah. Recruit, oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Me, me, me too. Like, uh, I don't know why you actually paid big money for to put a winger on, to, to put a winger on on a team where. They actually don't know how to go right either. Yeah, I, I, I don't really get that team change. But, I mean, sticking on the Rabbits, the other guy that was really interesting was Jai Arrow last week. Obviously, he was someone that I really wanted. So it came out that he was not starting. Yeah, I said, I know. you know, you can't have him. And he had to come out of my team. He came on and was the best forward on the park. Like He he, play, he played big minutes too. I, didn't, I really didn't see that coming. 
He played 45 off the bench. Um, and he's got... Oh, I thought he played more. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, 45 off the bench is still big minutes for him. Um, and he ended up scoring 70 points in that 45 minutes. And the way he was running, he looked really good and really oh, active. Oh, yeah. Better, better teammate. <laughs> Just playing for a starting spot, playing playing, playing for the win. I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was a lot healthier too. Maybe a point to prove. I, I don't know what it was. But, but I'll tell you what, he looked bloody good. I'll give you, I'll give you that. Well, 475,000. For 70 points, which had 56 in base. His last couple of years, he hasn't scored jack all in attack either. So it's it's all it's it's all base. So a lot of people are looking at him um, as an option. I can understand why, but he's named on the bench again this week. To many people, I think you got to watch again, and you got to wait. I, I think it's only a matter of time before he starts. But despite the fact that he's played so well round one, you can't pick a bench forward for 475k this week and bring him in. I'm not going to say he'd be mad to, but I don't think he'd be sane. <laughs> <laughs> Surely, I mean, just just take the week to watch him, guys, and see. I mean, hopefully he starts next week, and then you can just sort of buy him and be pretty safe with it. But 45 minutes, you, I just don't yeah. think you can spend that on it's, a bench board not knowing what the oh, goals particularly, are. Particularly Manly, too. Like, they, they they could be standing under the post for half the game when Arrow, Arrow gets, you know, sort of 20, 20, 45 minutes on the field, but 20, 20 minutes of that is idle. Yeah, that's true as well. Kalamatangi is obviously the cheapie, that, the mid-range cheapie that everyone wanted, but no one had because he ended up on the bench and now he's starting. You're probably uh, the no only one. person in the world that has him. <laughs> no one. <laughs> obviously, you're going to start him, Billy. But, um, Hell yeah. Do, do you think that he becomes a purchase straight away, or do you think people should be waiting on him as well? 300000 I would only get him if you're looking for a downgrade. Look, there's no guarantee he's going to be there long term. Um, I think people are pretty, pretty jacked. I, I think the bloke's a weapon, but going back and looking at his stats, he was basically only a 1.0 ppm guy. I just think he has a lot of a clutch attack potential being next to Cody Walker in a team that goes left with a soft draw. That's the reason why I'm really excited. So I'm pretty keen to get him in there. Um, I wouldn't be buying him as an upgrade just yet, but if you needed a, a downgrade this week to free up some cash for someone, I'd be trying to go to him as opposed to a bum or someone really, really bottom dollar because I think it gives you an extra body to play, particularly this week. Yeah, that's true. And he's a pretty solid player as well if you've got to play him. Latrell Mitchell deserves a shout-out too because a few people sort of started with him as the alternate fullback to Pappy and, and I started with Gutho and I sort of said, oh, I'd rather pay for Gutho than Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell's got 117 points. That included his try line break, but his passing was really good as well. So Yeah, I uh, laughed at that one. <laughs> well, it was a big score. And I tell you what, like you would have been a little bit worried about the Melbourne game and then had a sigh of relief that 117 points came in. Um, and he actually had 30 yeah. base as well, which was really good for his real base. And now you're salivating because like, you're coming up against Manly this week. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and on, on the edge, which is pretty poor too. Well, Mitchell was chiming in really well last week. I think that'll happen again this week. I think that he's in for a big one. Um, yeah, I, I think so. We'll say from a real-life perspective, like, and I was saying to friends of mine that I was watching it with and stuff, like, he looks really good with the ball in his hand, and, like, that's why the commentators are, are talking about him and stuff and, and really blowing a lot of smoke, because he, with the ball in his hands, he's looking really good, and despite his fitness, he still looks good with the ball in his hands, but... He still was making a lot of mistakes outside of when he had the ball, I thought. And like in defence. Oh, mate, there was a couple of those defensive ones, honestly, where, like, I had one of one of my mates was trying to defend him and say, oh, it wasn't that bad. And I was like, mate, you saw last week where Melbourne actually went at him. When they made a break, he came up too fast, and that's when I think it was Adokar kicked. 
and um, they ended up getting, you know, 15 metres out. They actually had a big overlap going right, and he was jogging back through the middle, and they actually swung the ball backwards to the middle when they had an overlap to attack where Mitchell was meant to be in the middle of the field. And he did a little jog, and then he went for a sprint right when it was too late. The same time that um, Pappy went out to the wing as well, and they needed help out there, and he was jogging on his side defence, and he didn't sprint until Pap was already over the line. Like it's that sort of stuff on the defensive end that you just go, mate. Like you could be, you could be anything. Got to work on, on on this stuff as well. Yeah, I just find it funny when people like Mundine come out and say, oh, you know, he's, he's the best NRL player in the comp at the moment. Um, no, he's not. <laughs> Phenomenal with the ball in has, his hands. Has, 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 a lot of, has a lot of potential, but I think that strips him a bit far. Yeah, look, for Supercoach purposes, he went fantastic. No one deserves props. 524000 you got great value. He should go really well this week. But I uh, I reckon that he could be an outside chance to throw a VC on if you got him. But Cody Walker looks like the special, doesn't he? Yeah, I, look, I, I tried to get him in this week just thinking, you know what, <laughs> if we're going to ever own Cody Walker and pay for a 200, it's probably this week. But um ended up deciding to go with two O instead purely because I think you gotta look at who you've got in certain positions and where you can where the difference is between who you've got and what the other guy might score. If you own Walker, I'd hundred percent be uh doing the V C on him this week, but Yeah, and he's an interesting trade in as well. They've got Manly this week, a harder game against the Roosters, but then they hit the Bulldogs, Broncos, Tigers. Titans, and all of a sudden there's a one-month run there. It's absolute gold. Yeah. And don't let that Roosters game throw you off, because that's why you scored 200 last year. Hey, settle down, mate. We don't talk about that on this I'm... podcast. <laughs> Is that why I get rele- relegated next week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why. Uh, Walker's, Walker's that's right, a great trading option as well, and he's also a great VC option for this one. For the Manly side of things, um, they do have a couple to sort of talk about. I mean, I'm I, I'm going to bench Saab. I'm going to assume that you're just a straight yeah, same. Oh man, <laughs> I don't even know why I got him. I had to choose someone, and I just preferred him as opposed to a third enough. Yeah, no, <laughs> That's no. the only reason I got him. Um, but I mean, Davy is three hundred thirty-six thousand. He had thirty-four points in thirty-four minutes last week, and that included some offloads and TBs. He's now starting. I'm going to be watching Davy because I like his upside. Um, but I think it's prudent to wait because the Goz is an old manly favourite. He's still hanging around. Um, and Davey could still, you know, not get bulk minutes on that edge. So I'd be waiting and seeing, but he's definitely one that I'm watching this week. On this one, mate, do you see Manly bouncing back at all? I, I think that Souths are really going to put the torch to him. As... I don't think I can say Manly are going to bounce back after saying Cody Walker's a special. <laughs> no, no. I reckon that you go for a 10-plus point win on top sport for them. You're going to get lower odds at around about $1.60, but um, I still think that's really good odds for them to... Yeah, look, no, the only thing in Manly's favour is the fact that they're at home and it's supposed to be a fortress, but I think it's only a fortress at full strength or when you have Travoyvich or something going for you. I think they're going to get absolutely spanked. I wouldn't want to own any of the, the Manly guys at the moment. I really wouldn't. I just need to give a shout-out to Des before we go. Got his um got his two-year extension, which is great. And like we said, there was two ways that Marty Tapau could have gone. The, the team that they put on the park and everything, and... You know, being early, they needed Marty Tapau to play big minutes. So one way would have been the smart way to play him 55 to 60, and the other way would have been the Des way to play him 40s. 47 minutes for 47 points. Well done, Des. Killing, killing super coach options every week. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, Unbelievable. I'll let him wait and go, mate. 
worth his weight in gold. Unbelievable. Cowboys vs Dragons is the next one. No changes for the Cowboys side, despite the pumping by the Panthers. We still don't actually know who definitely kicks for the Cowboys because they didn't get to go for any goals. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you'd hope if you owned hopes that it was here, but you still don't know. Um, on the Dragons side of things, Corey Norman's back, so he goes straight to the uh, 5-8 spot replacing Clune. Fumano retains the lock roll. Let's keep on the Dragons for a minute here. There wasn't huge talking points for them, but one of them was Fumano and what was going to happen with him. I'm going to be watching this one again because even though I really don't like him for 260000 he still ended up playing 60 minutes and that was um, good for 56 points. Now, normally when he would have played 60 minutes before, he probably would have scored about 40 points, uh, but he managed to be a little bit better. So he's on the watch list a bit. Um, and if you owned him and had an Angus Crichton out, like, would you start him against the Cowboys this week? It, look, it was the Sharks. <laughs> um, but middle points and middle points, mate. Look, if you already own him, I'd probably play him this week. If you needed a, four, uh, a fourth benchy, um, like you, I wouldn't be bringing him in this week. I think he's, I think he's, there's a lot to be desired for still, and he needs to prove himself. But it's probably just more in, in relation to minutes, not so much his actual ability. Yeah, it's someone else that I'm really watching in the Dragons pack that's piqued my interest, and that was Big Paul Vaughan. I mentioned before round one that I was really interested in, in seeing what happened with Vaughan. Um, he ended up playing 56 minutes. Uh, which is the highest minutes that he's played uh, in his career. So that was really interesting because it was sort of something that I thought would happen, but, but I wasn't sure about. Um, and it was quality as well. He managed to get five tackle breaks in that, where he had some really strong runs. He managed to have a, a raw 53 base, uh, and he got 73 points in total. Really promising signs for Vaughan early. 73 points, 513,000 as a front row forward. And it's really those minutes, isn't it? So if he gets 56 minutes again this week, he, oh, becomes, yeah, all a, over it. he becomes quite a smoker. I don't think many people will look at him. Oh, mate, I've always been keen on Vaughny. Um, I think it was three, about three years ago when he first went to the Dragons that I, I got him in. He's just absolutely on fire. He's always had that massive PPM. But the problem is he, uh, he, he always played for a team that had like a really, really low minutes sort of forward rotation and was also coming off the bench. So when he was at the Raiders, he was just getting bugger all. Um, the mere, the mere, as soon as he went to a, a, a starting pack, it was basically a no-brainer. But um, as he as he matured and sort of got to his sort of price peak after, <clears throat> I think that three years ago when he went on that run where he just scored a try every sort of second game for the first few weeks, I think that kind of uh, maxed him out a bit. So hasn't been of really really much value since then. But uh, since he's dropped in price and the um, the uh, the new rules have come in, I think that gives you an opportunity for him to get maybe an extra sort of seven percent out of him and, and an extra couple of minutes. So yep. I think that's that's that, that's a re- that, that 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 might be where his value comes back in again if he can consistently hit hit that sort of fifty five minutes and the sixty five points. All of a sudden, that price point is really interesting. Very interesting. Going to be looking at him as an round three trade in on the Cowboys side of things. I don't think there's too many options to be excited about. Um, I do think that Tamalolo is still going to play low minutes. I do think he's going to fire up, though, and, and get you you know, gun points, at least 60. I reckon he'll be a 65-plus special this week. Uh, Valentine Holmes, though, we'll finish off on him with this game. You know, If you owned him, and like we said, he wasn't fullback, so you couldn't own him for round one, but if you decide to stick with him, I would hold him for this game if I could, Billy, because I kind of think playing up in Queensland Country Bank Stadium um, the Cowboys are going to put on some points, and he's probably a special to score a try as well. Um, you may as well take the points this week that he could give you and, and trade him out next week if you could. 
You got to take what's on offer when it's when it's um, players like that, mate. Um, I can't see it being a massively sort of high scoring affair, but if you if you're going to get some points out of someone, this is probably one of the very very few weeks that you want to sort of give uh, give it a shot before you make, make your decisions on next week. Yeah, I think you're going to have to get rid of him just because of his price point. But um, when he goes across the line, top sport bet of the week for me is Val Holmes to score a try, one dollar eighty-eight. Might even be a last-minute sort of um, change, change, uh, positional change. Uh, I mean, after last week, I mean, maybe unlikely this early. Coach, coaches probably want to give them at least sort of three or four games to sort of see if it gels. But I mean, you, you could take that punt that you know he goes back to fullback, but until you see his goal kicking, and even if he is, they didn't exactly score any points last week, so you really don't want to take that into the equation just yet, do you? Yeah, watch and see, but I think they score against the Dragons. I reckon they'll get a win against the Dragons this week. I think they'll win sort of a 24-20 type of scoreline. Well, I think it'll be close, but I couldn't pick it, mate. I'll leave that one for to, I'll leave that one to chance. <laughs> well, Tigers versus Roosters is the next one, and the Tigers got a fair few changes. So Moses Dembai comes onto the bench, like we said. Um, Adam Dewey returns, um, so he takes that number six jersey. Uh, and Russell Packer makes way. A bit better for Stefano Itakamanu, because he is one of two forwards on that bench now. So they had three middle forwards last week, uh, and now they've only got McKaylee and Stefano. So you would hope that it stays the same. I tend to think that Tommy Talao will drop off the bench and one of the forwards will come in, um, but we'll wait and see. Obviously, Angus Martin's out, copping the one-week suspension. Nat Butcher comes in, and Lussick's actually going to come in for Jake Friend. And Adam Kieran's gone too with Drew Hutchison in the 14. So the Roosters have all of a sudden got a lot of injuries. On the Roosters side of things, Billy, the first guy that comes to mind is obviously Tedesco. He's going to score 166 points, three tries, round one, um, and everyone still expects him to do the same thing this week. Like, he's a straight-out captaincy, obviously. He's, yeah. You'd be a brave man not to do it, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, you'd be a brave man to avoid him. The one the one that kind of interests me this week is probably um, Butcher. Um, the, the, bloke, the bloke's an absolute sort of workhorse. Um, mate, he's, a, he's I'm not I'm not going to say he's a future great, but he's a future future potential sort of starting seventeen bloke for um for for the Chooks, and he knows he's only getting one game before he's going back to bench. So I reckon he's going to do absolutely everything. Yeah, Butcher is a really good draft option for this week. That Crichton's out. If you can get him in draft, um, he could be a really good play for you this week. In the forward pack, Tupanua did great. Was really pleased with how he went. Obviously, he scored a line break try, but he was also very involved. Um, and he would have gone well, you know, regardless with his work rate. But the guys on the wings, you know, we said the Roosters' wingers were the two best centre wings last year. Fully looks like they're going to be again. Like, Daniel Tupo didn't score a try, which was unusual for him, and he still threw up 64 points. And he did that because he had multiple offloads, huge work rate like we expect from him. But in the first half in particular... He was just throwing offloads for fun. He ended up with five offloads, but I think four of those offloads were at the half and 20 runs for the game as well um, and managed a couple tackle breaks. So to get 64 points without getting any clutch attack is massive. Fully on the other side with Brett Morris. He got all the tries, um, got 125 points for his trouble. Those boys' numbers were just huge. Oh, the thing is, it's just the price point. Like You can't guarantee it, but... If you go back and look at his at the first half of the season, he basically did it every every week, week in, week out. Just got fed constantly, and he just kept getting over that white stripe. It wasn't until the, um, uh, what the last of the five six games where he sort of calmed down, and that was enough just to keep his price point down at six hundred k. But it's a lot of money to spend on a winger. 
Yeah, it is. It's it's funny. Like Daniel Tupay scored half as many points, but I was actually more. It made me more interested in him because he did it with no clutch attack and throwing in 64 points. Like I think that's a risk with Morris, but it's hard to it's hard to buy either of them. But I'm going to say, you know, we said the centre wing was an opportunity um, to get up on other people. If you were to somehow, you know, flick Crichton for a week and bring in one of these guys as a, you know, you make 50 grand out of that trade, that could be a real game changer because, you know, there's nothing to say that Brett Morris is going to go over for a double this week and score 100 again. And likewise, Tupo goes over for a try and he scores 95, you know. And, and the other thing is, too, Kiri's moved to the right-hand side, and he's the one that always gets the ball. So it's almost like the, the, the like uh, Morris is twice likely to go over the white stripe this year. And if you look at um, Teddy, like he he's just everywhere. Just right, left, right, left. It doesn't matter where, where doesn't matter um, um what what's happening. Like Teddy, Teddy is following the ball. So even if Kiri doesn't get him over the line, you have got Teddy sweeping sweeping right. And he just he just loves that little sort of dummy. Ta- couple of tackle us and either offload offload to Manu or Manu for to put the bloke in the, over over in the corner or, or or go close. So, I mean, there were probably half a dozen times where Morris looked likely where he didn't get over too. Yeah, he, he looked fantastic. Like the eye test, he looked great. Um, the the guy, other guy that was disappointing for a lot of people was Takiaho. Um, and I've kind of tried to tell people to temper expectation on him. So he. He only played 43 minutes last week, um, which is really low. Um, and in that, you know, he, he still ended up scoring well, but that was only because he was goal-kicking, and I think he was four of six goal-kicking, which was good. But he had a line-break try assist as well, which was a great pass to Crichton, but it was also a bit later in the match as well. I'm I'm not displeased, Billy. Like, obviously, if he didn't get those attacking stats, he's not getting anywhere near 76 points that he scored, and he only had 40 in base. But that was 40 in base in 43 minutes. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that he's not going to play 43 minutes anytime soon. He's going to play a lot higher minutes. Um, to me, Robertson does this. He, he picks a forward that he, or a player in the team that he rotates the minutes with. And the fact that he did 43 minutes in round one suggests to me that someone like uh, Collins that played like 63 minutes, you know, they're probably going to sw- switch minutes this week. And you'll find Takiyaho plays 60 plus minutes and scores really well. So... I'm actually not concerned at all about Takiyaho. Um There's no way he's going to keep playing 43 minutes. I think it's just a Robbo rest when they were up big and, and this week when they're up big against the Tigers or just rest Collins instead and, and vice yeah. versa. Yeah, agree. And yeah, like you said, he had like a, an LBA and a uh, try assist in there, but so what, 40, 43 minutes, he still scored 70-odd points, so it doesn't matter how you get him. Um, just consider it a write-off um, the week, week before, take the points and just... Just think of it as square one again. Uh, 55 minutes forward, goal kicking with a soft draw. Just play. Yeah, and look, definitely don't sell, do not sell him. I mean, oh no, God no. Even without the line break try, like he would have scored 50s just because he's goal kicking and he's great base. So, you know, it's, don't worry too much about it. I think people are reading a bit too much into it. On the opposition side of things, now the Tigers don't have a lot to talk about. I was pretty impressed with Dane Laurie scoring a 44. Um, I guess the question is, you know, Jacob Little obviously got those attacking stats to get him in the 70s with his scoring. The impressive thing with Little was that he did get to play big minutes. So, you know, he got to play the full 80, scored 71. That included a line break try. He's going to be hard-pressed getting 60 minutes with Emboy on the bench. So, to me, I I can't possibly start Little on less minutes, especially against the Roosters. Laurie, I'm probably going to have to start. But, uh, I mean, it's probably an argument that you could bench both of them, isn't it? I was really impressed with Laurie, actually. 
Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he scored 47 doing basically bugger all. So more than happy with that for a fullback. It doesn't matter who they're playing, mate. Yeah, he did really well. Um, and, I mean, obviously, you know, there was a lot of base in there. Um, he had a raw base of 27. But I think with Laurie, it was his tackle breaks that really helped him. He had, like, four tackle breaks in there in the scoring, and that really boosted up his score. So, it, like, he's he's definitely the safer play out of him and Little. Oh, I really don't think that you should be playing Little. Oh, not not not, not when uh, Moses is around. He's... Yeah, definitely. Um, and Joe O. No is on the interest level because he managed to score 50s and obviously there's only two middle forwards on the bench now, but I'm still not trusting. Offhand Gowie has turned the corner in his mid-20s when he's had a few years to do this. But Yeah, look, the bloke of interest for me is probably watching um, Nofo and seeing how much he potentially drops. But given that they don't have Grant uh, uh, this year, um, moving him up, I'm struggling, struggling to see how he kind of repeats yeah, I, I sort of agree as well. Uh, mate, I've I've obviously got a bit of bias in this one. I think that the Roosters are going to towel up again. But that's, you know, they're paying a dollar twenty-seven on top sport head-to-head, which I think is insane. Um, I, I think they're going to win pretty easily. But you can get the Roosters at minus nine and a half for a dollar ninety. And I, I think that's probably my bet of the week on, on top sport. I reckon they probably take them by about a hundred and ninety. <laughs> you probably get a hundred... Thousand to one on that one. Um, (laughs) Sharkies versus Raiders is the final game. For the Sharkies, Ramian suspended. He's out. No other changes. And no changes for the Raiders. Probably one of the big disappointments on the Raiders side of things was Josh Hodgson. I know because I own him. um, But I was disappointed that he scored 30 points in 80 minutes, which was horrendous. But by halftime, I went, oh, that's right. This is why I hate Josh Hodgson. You've got... Four missed tackles, an error, and two penalties by the half. Uh, and that's kind of what Hodgson does. Um, you know, he, I expected to get some of these dirt scores out of him. Um, so I know a lot of people are looking at selling him. Um, I, I can't blame them for selling him, Billy, but I'm holding and I'm playing because I don't think the Sharks are very good. And Hodgson is going to get good scores. You know, he's unlikely to get 30 points again this week. I'm just not a big fan of him, mate. I know, I know, he, I know he's kind of very hit and miss, but I think he's more hit, more miss miss hit type. I think you probably get thirty thirty sort of seventy off him, which is the reason why I'm not that keen. Yeah, I mean, probably I, if you're going to trade Josh Hodgson to someone like Little and have to play Little, like you just wouldn't trade Hodgson. I, I just think that you can still play him. You can still make the same type of money. And probably yeah. get better points, Look, so you just kind of was, keep that. If it was little last week, I'd say no, he's playing 80. Little this week, definitely no. But 100%, I'd trade him to Braley. Yeah, I mean, he's a 20k difference from him down to Braley, so you get the extra cash to play with. And Braley does look a lot better. You're going to get a free look this week before there's going to be price changes. Um, I still think that you should just see what Hodgson does against the Sharks personally, but it was very disappointing, but we kind of expected this with him, um, that he could throw up these sort of scores. Tappany was quite popular because he was one of those guys that scored 100. The thing was, he probably scored 100 in the least minutes last week. You know, He went 100 points off 42 minutes, and he had 52 base. Absolutely massive numbers game from Tappany. I don't see any way that he can keep that up. Um, and I think that it's completely chasing points to get 550,000 tapping in to play 42 minutes again. Horsburgh's going to be back next week. We've spoken about the Raiders stacked forwards. 
I reckon that it's disastrous to, to trade him in. But he did score very big last week, and he's up against a pretty weak Sharky's pack as well. Yeah, I wouldn't bother with you either, mate. Um, I know his minutes weren't sort of great last week, but I didn't realise they were that they were they were that poor. Um, he, he was great for fantasy, like he he did punch out some some sort of uh, tackle busts and put some clutch in there. For super coach wise, pot- potentially sort of another forty forty five minutes. So it's not one of those risks that you want to take. Agreed. So I'm going to throw out a bit of a pod play on this yep. one. Um, I've got Jordan Rapana on my draft squad. And I was pretty happy with him. 67 points. Now, he had to score two tries to do that, which isn't the old Rapana, because he had 11 base. Yeah. It was atrocious, the 11 base. But uh, I love that. tackle bus were there. His tackle bus were there. Like, I was doing a, I was doing some um, oh, some different sorts of gambling with him, and the tackle bus sort of paid sort of really well. But um, he seemed to have, you know, one or two of those per hit-up, but he only had, <laughs> what, five or six of them per game and went over the line twice. Yeah, it was it was strange. Like he just he's not running the ball like he used to, but he scored a couple of good tries, and the ten runs that he did make resulted in his four tackle busts. So yeah, yeah, three hundred seventy k. Um, I'm going to be watching him this week. I reckon he scores this week though. I reckon he gets another try this week. Confidence and momentum are big things, mate. We talk about that all the time. Like with that draw, like if he scores again this week and he's got a negative BE, he's a definite option for next week. So definitely keep my eye on him. For the shark side, I don't want to um, offend pretty much everybody that I live amongst in the Southern Shire, but <laughs> I really can't see much uh, much joy in this side. I will say Matty Moylan did well last week. Um, came through and scored 50s, which I didn't expect from him. Like, he did that pretty well. Like, he ended up with a 33 base, which isn't how you normally expect Matt Moylan to get you 52 points. You kind of expect a line break try assist to be in there and maybe some forced dropouts and stuff. But 33 raw base, um, I actually thought that he played quite well. So he's turned out quite good value. And if you needed to downgrade in your uh, in your halves or your hooker and move one of your sixes to, to hooker and put Matt Moylan in, you know, that's that's not a bad option for this week either. Yeah, he's just in one of those tough positions where um, there's so many options available. Like if, if he was actually available seven three quarter, it would basically would be a no brainer. Like you'd, you'd 100% take him over a bloke like Saab or Simo, but I think he's just in one of those positions where it's really really hard to get a bloke like him in. Chad Townsend scored a big 64 points um, with a massive seven base raw base, so huge <laughs> raw base for Chad. The Chad is back. But thanks to goal kicking, he, um, he managed to get his score up to 64, but only 350k. So, I mean, you know, he's, he's chugging along nicely for those. How many, um, uh, how many did he put over the post for goals? Townsend ended up kicking six goals last week. So that's why he got his 64 points because of those six goals. Yeah, he's not going to have the same strike rate and, um, <clears throat> that meant that many, um, approach, that, that many attempts each week. But I'll tell you what, um, it's what, a certain percentage of points he was never going to get before with SJ there. Yeah, that's true. Um, he went for a big five runs and 12 tackles, so big, big base <laughs> for the Chad. That's why he's uh, not a great option. Why don't you talk about some of these Sharks players? Because um, even when they score okay points, you look at a deep dive down the numbers and it makes you a bit sick. But, you know, that's Mate, all right. Any, anyone called the Chad's good in my books. <laughs> Mate, I, I think that the Raiders are going to uh, put it on the Sharkies and... I was impressed with how the Sharks played last week, though. They did play better than I thought, but they played the Dragons, so I don't know how much I can take away from that. You can get the Canberra Raiders on Top Sport, 
just head to head at a dollar forty. Pretty low odds there. Some people don't like to bet the dollar forties, but I think that's a pretty certain bet that the Canberra Raiders will win. Maybe the Sharks will put up a fight, but Raiders dollar forty, sign me up. Yeah, if you're going to put your house on something, um, it certainly wouldn't be the Sharks. Yeah, and probably gamble responsibly and don't put your house on anything, guys, just to if you're taking Billy's went to heart. But, you know, <laughs> on that note, we'll, uh, we'll finish off on the gambling advice. And uh, thanks for the pod, mate. Hopefully you uh, get some clarity on your trades for this week and you, um, <laughs> don't beat me because I think you got me about 50 points this week. That's right, mate. Momentum's a good thing. Let's keep rolling. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. You can follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars, and also you can download, stream, and listen on either SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify. Good luck with your trades and everything this week. Going to be a big one next week coming up to round three price changes, and we'll chat to you again then.